was like, you guys come in for the podcast one day. I'm watching the raid and I've got a blanket over me. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Alright everybody, welcome to the Simcast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSense, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSense, Jeremy Scott. Hello! And from Music Video Sense, Barrett Share. Yo hey! And today, Yo, hey. we're going to be going back to our best of the decade bracket, Woo-hoo. best of the 2010s. We're going to the East region. Oh, that was a good announcer voice. <laughs> Very Jim Nancy. We're going to the East yeah, region. We're going to the East region, <laughs> where the number one seed, Duke, is playing the 16 seed, Creighton. Um, that always happens. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, a bunch of movies here. I actually rewatched four of these Ooh. Mm. Um, in preparation for, the, for today. Uh, randomly, let's go to the one that could piss everybody off right the bat uh the eight seed spider-man into the spider-verse versus the nine seed 12 years a slave oh yeah. my god this is not this is obviously not fair no no obviously this is going these are these are difficult when movies with a when movies have a, a sort of very difficult theme to yeah. go to to go along. this is like when schindler's list was in the the 1993 and the all-time brackets and everything it's like schindler's list is a really awesome movie but also we tend to want to be like well schindler's list has to beat everything because it's so important right mm-hmm. yeah thematically it's it's very important yeah and it, it, this goes up against anything right it could go up against inception right and uh, we're talking about 12 years of slave obviously uh you know it, it's going to be an unfair matchup essentially to that movie thematically right so i think possibly our job here is to weigh whether or not the artistic merits of the movie itself go up against whatever it's going up against and we and if there's a tiebreaker then its importance is probably going to end up being the the deciding mm-hmm, factor mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but if 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 you know if you if you like you know spider-man into the spider-verse more than this movie then we should vote that way yeah and i mean that's the that's sort of the beauty and the ugly of this whole bracket is that we get these matchups like coco and deadpool where (laughs) we've got movies that have no business ever being argued being argued this is an interesting case for me Uh, 12 years a slave is so disturbing that i said after watching it i don't think i'm ever going to watch that movie again Mm -hmm. but i'm glad i saw it and the things that are disturbing about about it are disturbing on purpose mm-hmm. uh, because if if he doesn't um, if he doesn't linger the way he does on certain there's there's one beating scene and there's a hanging scene that just when you're watching it feels like uh, you want it to end because you don't like looking at it mm-hmm. but he has to draw it out to make you understand exactly what it was like because mm-hmm. you're watching a movie so you're always sort of detached from it um, and uh yeah, there's a scene in there where somebody is being hung and everybody just goes back to life in the background behind them. Just, just leaving him. Yeah. yeah. And, and like reaching with the toes to try and hit the ground and not actually mm-hmm. hang. Yeah. And it's really hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a really important movie. It's not without its issues with the Brad Pitt playing the white savior sort of thing that is common in a lot of 
movies that deal with race where he's this white guy who comes along in the South and sees this injustice and decides to take this case upon himself. Was this now this was very based on reality, the Solomon Northrop uh, thing. Uh, apparently it was it was combed over by historians and they they were saying a lot of this is very very accurate do you know i don't know if that brad pitt character was was real because he he ended up getting away from slavery he was always a free man right he ended up getting back to his family i don't know in reality how that happened See again i'd have to i'd have to research i remember i feel like i remember reading some criticism of pitt as producer of the movie inserting himself into the story in this role. I also also read criticism of the book in that, you know, most of what is in the book, we're just taking this guy's word Mm. that all this happened, right? It is. And, and, you know, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm inclined to believe it did. It's certainly a story worth telling. Um, But it it, it wasn't without its controversies. Um, Even if that character was real, none of that, way he portrays it feels real it mm. feels like though it even it, it feels like he should probably have put another person in that role because that's true. everything even if that's a real character then you just look like the white knight mm. character yeah. just switch with fassbender yeah I'll let fassbender play that role and you play the god can you imagine brad pitt in that role i think he would have done i mean i have i have come to respect brad pitt as an actor way more than i ever did 20 I years think, ago i, I don't think, think he's he w- ever tried anything like that though um not not that evil but even fassbender i'm not sure has done much that evil. no i guess i guess not you could just see i mean he inhabited that role he it did. would just be difficult to see brad i would love to i would love to see him try a role mm. like that uh to to really stretch yeah because i think he probably could i think you're right yeah uh, but Fassbender just inherited that evil. Yeah, I I had this theory when I first watched this movie that a lot of the that the some of the the evilness of that Michael Fassbender character stemmed from his inability to uh, have sex. Basically, mm. there was it seemed it uh, like that was the only way he could get hard yeah. was when it was violent. Yeah. Mm. Um. So like that's what I think that's what I was. Uh, I think that's what I initially thought when I was watching this. It was some sort of sexual dysfunction mm. that was causing him to be the, you know, as far as the movie was concerned, saying how this is why he is the way he is and everything. Yeah, Steve McQueen made this movie because he felt like slavery hadn't been depicted correctly mm. before. Mm-hmm. And of course, you look through the history of it, a lot of times, like especially in the early days where they made it just look like it was the grand old time, you yeah, know. Song of the South type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, it Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, it just they never really showed the, like didn't show that brutality. So mm. he made it purposefully brutal for this reason, exactly as Jeremy was talking about and everything. So, uh and the story is so god you know i mean a guy is free and then and then just gets captured and and they just say well you're a slave and and <laughs> and and now yeah 12 years he he goes under that he was a free man yeah and the <laughs> and the end of this movie is so fucking heartbreaking yeah too. because it's it's triumphant obviously but obviously his wife has moved on and yeah gone to, yeah uh, uh, 
Mm-hmm. It's a really good cast, though. Mm-hmm. It's Chiwetel Ejiofor. You know what's crazy? Like, uh, like it's all these these great actors, Giamatti and Fassbender and Pitt and all these guys, and uh, and uh, Lupita Nyong'o. And then there's Taron Killam, who's one of the guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the- yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Right. Uh, but yeah, it's a terrific cast. It's it. I mean, it's the most well-made movie that. I probably won't be watching several times. This one again. best picture? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's going up against Into the Spider-Verse? Into the Spider-Verse. Well, uh, if it's possible to love a movie with my whole heart and call it an A+, but still think it's been overrated, it's Into the Spider-Verse. You think it's maybe... I mean, obviously, it's been out for a while and people aren't... It's not on the tip of everybody's it started, tongue. It was starting to kind of mediate a I little bit. So, I think so, yes. For the first six months after it came out, there was so much hyperbolic noise this mm. is the best superhero movie ever don't even like the, the conversation is over and i'm like uh, it's great yeah. it's fucking great yeah it's not that great yeah yeah, yeah. although and then uh, although i guess there's not very much to compare it against but i'm hearing this rogue one is in the top three star wars movies of all time See, if not this number is, one this is a generational thing i think i'm seeing that a lot too and i think i think part of it is we're old uh mm-hmm. but part of it is just trying to reconcile with how much we haven't loved this new trilogy mm. and we want to have something about star wars that we love and i think honestly if you look back rogue one will shake out in the top few of this modern era of star wars but i don't think it's above empire no or no the first Jedi, one or the first one no i think or it's, not even force awakens for me no i mean it's better than in my opinion solo and it's better than last jedi and it's better than it's the thing once the once the hmm. once you have 11 movies to compare it against there's so many bad ones now yeah rogue one does is up there yeah but it, i don't know about top three yeah yeah anyway spider verse i haven't seen spider verse probably since it came out don't think i've seen it since oh really um uh i i really enjoyed it yeah uh but i haven't seen it since and the same thing with 12 12 years a slave by the way i haven't seen that since it came out mm-hmm. it uh you know we we talked in the mini pod about how we didn't realize if it was blurry on purpose or if it was blurry on accident right. uh it's blurry on purpose at times or it's i don't know a forced perspective or i don't know what you would call they're that going effect. for a thing they're going for a thing it's it's distracting as shit to me, man. Yeah, me too. Uh, I even though I know it's intentional. I mean, there's so much to love about this this movie in terms of the performances, the wackiness, uh, what they're going for, like the high mindedness. Um, but but that is super distracting to me. What I love about the movie, it's two things that really stand out. I think where they excelled the most, and that's not the animation style, but it's voice work. And then, uh, I guess you would call this storyboarding, but the way the film has so many frames that feel like a living comic book. Like, for instance, when he takes that leap of faith and falls, there's that one moment I've gifted a bunch where they, like, zoom in on him, like, every other frame, (laughs) and it's like, (laughs) and uh, it's kinetic, man, and it gives an energy that even live action doesn't sometimes have. Um, And so, yeah, I've seen it twice. I need to watch it again. Uh, I love it. It's probably... It's right up there with Spider-Man 2 for my favorite Spider-Man. Wow. But, it's on Netflix now, by the way. Yeah, it is. Um, it's just great. I, I love I love Miles Morales. Uh, very smart of them to give us a story that had Miles Morales and Peter Parker so that fans wouldn't like 
have an excuse to turn their nose at Miles Morales. We gave you both. We actually gave you two Peter Parkers in this Yeah, movie. we gave you a death of Spider-Man. That was Chris Pine, right? Was that first I one? I think so, yeah. Uh, we gave you a death of spider you, you get everything. It's like a gift basket you of do. Spider-Man. You Especially do. if you're like you. Like, you're super into Spider-Man, Oh, yeah. Right? And the Spider-Verse, you know, the multiverse kind of idea, um, you know, comics, DC, Marvel, all kinds have played with this for a really long time. Uh, but this movie handles it really well and mm-hmm. it just feels like multiple spider-man in one movie the whole concept sounded bonkers but they just nailed it so what, we're, what my hope now is is that lord and miller stay involved mm-hmm. even though they weren't the directors and that we don't get a lego movie one and lego movie the second part situation here that when we get another spider-verse we, we're doubling down on the talent and mm-hmm. not like giving us lego movie part two yes mm-hmm. yes I agree. I, agree. I agree all right so mm-hmm. which one do we want uh let's- Toby is a spider. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll vote. Go ahead. Uh, I vote into the Spider-Verse. All right. Into the Spider-Verse. Um, I'm going to do the same thing. We've discussed the importance of 12 Years a Slave. I don't want to minimize that, obviously. Just like with movies of this nature, like Schindler's List and stuff like that, Um it's a it's a more important movie for sure, but Into the Spider Verse is is I like it I like it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you, if if this was an importance bracket, Twelve Years a Slave probably mm-hmm. is going to win the entire maybe the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Spider Man Into the Spider Verse as well, even though I haven't seen both of these movies since they come at, came out. So it's, it's so much fun. Movie. I'll tell you what, in, Into the Spider Verse. Where it really starts to move is when they go out to the the Catherine Han the the, the Lady Doc Ock uh, thing, yeah, and they're swinging through the things and like he's still figuring it out and everything, and yeah. they're trying to elude her, and yeah. they got the the computer and everything, yeah. and you got Spider. That was uh, that's where it really like takes off. For uh, Jay Johnson's so funny. In yes, that movie. he is. Excuse right. us, we're on a yawn break. Yes. <laughs> uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse moves on. It will go up against the winner of this matchup here: Inception versus Deadpool. Inception's the one seed versus deadpool the 16 seed mm. um mm. hard to believe that inception is 10 years old right it really is it's because because it i i am still blown away by its visuals when i watch it today mm-hmm. and um there are movies from 2010 whose visuals do not still blow me away today yeah uh, and so uh, you know nolan always does something impressive Mm-hmm. Even if you don't love the whole of each Nolan movie, I, I tend to. There's always something new, unexpected, and smarter than you. Or at least that's how I end up feeling. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's really good at marketing these movies, too, because like the teasers for Inception <laughs> did not tell you anything. Yeah, uh, All you knew was DiCaprio was in it. And that there was like maybe something kind of wild you hadn't seen before, but you didn't know what it was about or anything. And then finally they came out with that first trailer and you're like, wow, holy shit. This is like a whole new thing that he's just yeah. made, isn't it? Kind of like what I feel about Tenet. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, Tenet feels that exact same way that Inception did back then. Uh, but um, yeah, Inception is so, so very, very excellent because we haven't seen anything like this before um uh the idea of going into dreams and then going into dreams of dreams and uh the 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 calculus involved with all the time and everything the kicks the mm-hmm. all these things you, you you think about like how like they when they're down in that deepest part and everything like the 
the uh the the guy who's driving around in the van <laughs> you know like it, to him it's just this this is this simple drive but yeah. to them it's like you know maybe a month or it's not a month but like just uh you know like a it's an insane amount of time yeah. For for them, and then he's his friend. It was just like oh, I was like a trip down the road. Well, and then once it's all stacked, you got the guy in the van. You got Gordon Levitt trying to set up the kick in zero g mm-hmm. because the van is falling off. <laughs> and then you got the other group down in the snow fort base. Mm-hmm. All three of those action things are going on at the same time, and it's just uh, I'm telling you, Nolan is unreal. He's on a whole nother level than anyone else, at least in terms of ideas. Um, yeah. And in terms of, you know, directing, like, you know, Fincher's up there, too. But he's uh, now you guys did the the CinemaSense video while it was still fairly short, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So did you get into like the uh, the the practicalities of like the the time disparities and stuff like that? No, no. Or the I'm just wondering if we if we did this today, like digging into it. There's so much exposition in this movie, Mm -hmm. but necessary exposition, right? Like you have to explain, you have to have the Ellen Page characters, the new character Mm -hmm. to explain all this stuff. And so you got Gordon Levitt explaining one part of it and then DiCaprio drinking his tea while the universe is folding up on itself. Mm -hmm. And then you got Tom Hardy doing his thing. And it's almost all like in passing. Like they're, they're saying, well, this is what happens when you get a totem. This is all that stuff. Uh, Occasionally to me. It gets a little forced, but it's also necessary. I don't know how else you would do it, especially big ideas like this. Yeah, the main thing that the movie does, like when it came to Sin's purposes, like it is insane how much he tries to cover his ass on everything. Yeah. Like every single mm-hmm. thing has a reason and everything. And so I think we send that, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a lot of other things in there that would probably do that video differently, but, um, but, uh yeah i mean there are a lot of things in there that i don't think i don't think that the the totem thing makes sense for for Cobb. even though a lot of people sort of tried to explain that his real totem is his wedding ring which doesn't make any sense at all i've never understood that either it, it could doesn't be make my... sense but but there are a lot of people who believe that. yeah yeah and uh but but he believe at least he believes his totem is that is that top yeah even though it was Mal's and you can't use anybody else's mm-hmm. or else it's explicitly stated. Right. And so I don't know why he's so, uh, you know, why he's so like, um, I don't know. He, he believes that the top is his, Yeah, his, uh, maybe it's been over time, you know, and maybe, maybe the rules were different when they started it. I don't <laughs> maybe know. So. Maybe um, so. and there's a lot of people on the internet. And I met one recently who think everything in this movie is a dream. I I've actually considered that theory. Well, I mean, I, it's, it's it's defendable if you want to argue that. Sure. I I don't like that explanation. I don't either because it it invalidates the whole thing. It's like Joker. I mean, it's it, obviously different movies, but it's like Joker. Oh, this didn't happen. None yeah. of this happened. Yeah. Uh, what you just saw was bullshit, but it was entertaining bullshit. Wasn't yeah, it? exactly. Oh, yeah. fuck you. Um, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, fuck you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I've I've discussed this before uh but they there's a there's dialogue that's barely perceptible at the very end of this movie where Cobb is running into his kids and you know at the very beginning of this movie he's washed up on a shore and there's the uh uh what's it ken watanabe's castle yeah. or whatever uh and at the very end of it his kid he asks what his kid what he's been doing with what the kids have been doing all day and the his son goes well i was making a castle in the sand mm. 
And that's one of the things that people point to as, as, oh, well, maybe this whole thing has been a dream all along. A lot of people believe this whole thing has been set up so that Cobb will go back to reality. Mm. And like, you know, this was a whole way of getting inse- getting that idea incepted into his mind. There's so many ways you can go, go with it. That's why Inception's a, good, a very good movie. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Is uh, this, uh, would you put this as Nolan's best? No. Or would you put Dark Knight up? Prestige. There? Oh yeah. yeah, prestige. Yeah, I, then we can talk about what's second. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It'd be a it'd be a crowded uh, place for number one. Mm-hmm. I think. I think the prestige is my favorite too. I think so too. Uh, and then it's either Dark Knight or Inception or even Interstellar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's crowded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So. Um, and then Tenet. I'm pretty sure Tenet's yeah, going to be up, yeah, up there. Yeah, yeah. Well, just put it up we, there. we might as well go ahead and just put that there. Just the trailer alone. I've seen it. IMAX. Yeah. It's like his, his third best movie. Right. Um, Inception goes up against Deadpool. Uh, hmm. Deadpool obviously was uh, was a big surprise for me and uh, ended up being a really funny movie. Really, really good take on comic book mm-hmm. uh, heroes and everything. We all like Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> i think we're all thinking the same thing mm-hmm. but do we want to throw any more praise on deadpool before we bury it uh i mean we talked about it in the play-in game when it beat coco <laughs> right <laughs> beat it like the red-headed stepchild it is <laughs> i mean De- deadpool i all the protagonists are great i love negasonic teenage warhead and uh, colossus you were saying that this is the closest colossus that's to the comics that, that, that had, i've right? ever seen yeah yeah that's how he's supposed to be portrayed oh yeah because in the the the, the first trilogy he was just like a buff dude right? he was a big buff uh white american kid he's supposed to be russian oh yeah okay he's, he's not american and he's also super smart there's lots of qualities they got right about him but he's always pestering deadpool yeah it was a perfect it was perfect for well, the protagonists are great the the antagonist in this i mean even though they say some stock generic villain in the opening credits it's a stock generic villain yeah. Like, yeah. i wish there would be just a little bit more meat there or the dude would have i don't even know who played him i forget the, the uh, screen name. ed screen yeah oh yeah yeah see well he backed out of he recently backed out of a movie because he had been cast in a character that was traditionally asian and he didn't want um, to really? appropriate or take a role. Interesting. Got some good press for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the villain's not very good. Also, I'm I'm pretty much tired of any superhero movie where their girlfriend is in danger in the final act. Me too. Uh, Sam Raimi did this to death. Mm-hmm. Almost all the Batman movies have done this. Mm-hmm. Deadpool had to do it. The movie making fun of superhero movies. I know. Had to do the same thing every superhero movie does. And I'm, I'm Spider-Man Homecoming did it. Yeah. Spider-Man Far From Home did it. And I want, I want either no significant other, or that significant other is never in peril, and is just saving citizens, save the citizens. Spider-Man Homecoming doesn't do that, does it? Well, the, the girl he loves is at the top of the Washington Monument when the elevator breaks. Oh, midway through. Midway. Not at the, okay. Not yeah, at yeah. The, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, no one he loves is in danger in the climax. Right. But yeah, yeah. you're right uh so yeah i'm gonna go inception me too <laughs> uh let's make it a threequel okay so inception now goes to goes against spider-man into the spider-verse mm. um we'll throw that thing up against many comic book movies and see what happens what's weird is that in this this region has probably the the highest concentration of superhero movies comic book movies of mm. anything else because 
I didn't want to put a bunch of comic right. book movies. You can't ignore that this decade. Oh, no. This most recent decade. Though. I agree. Uh, let's do the six seed Black Panther versus the 11 seed The Untouchables. Mm. Ooh. Um, yeah. Ooh. Uh, never thought we'd have to compare these two movies. Yeah, <laughs> and here's what's difficult is that, it, you know, my, my heart goes, well, Untouchables, because it's, like, I only saw it the once, though, and it was, I just remembered loving it, thinking mm. it was, like, really touching well-acted story of an unlikely friendship um i've seen black panther like five times mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't immediately think the quality is the same but i have a lot more time spent with it i have a lot more memories about black panther i have a very specific and awesome memory about the untouchables though <laughs> what is it because i watched it in paris oh awesome <laughs> yeah. awesome I was, uh, after a long day of like just walking around you know like 20 miles around paris we finally get back to the hotel yeah, the kid's asleep. The wife is asleep. I turn on the French TV, like Home Alone, you know, uh, over Roulette. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and th- thankfully, The Untouchables is on. That's awesome. And I get to watch almost the entire thing. Of course, it's in French. Uh, they did have the subtitle option on the TV. And I thought it was just, it, it was very cool in that environment, mm, seeing a French movie like that. But also, I mean, this is like one of the, the like up there on IMDb, it's like one of the best movies of all time, mm-hmm. highest rated of all time. I thought it was just absolutely charming and touching and extremely well acted. Now, had you already seen the Cranston Kevin Hart one? I haven't. I still haven't seen, I still that. Okay. Haven't seen that. Uh, you don't need to. I don't want to. In fact, I that almost taints this. It almost <laughs> you know does. I mean? It's like let the right one in and let me yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I know it. I guess this is how it works, right? Like the, certain American people will never watch the un- the Intouchables because it's subtitled and in french mm-hmm. if they make an american version with faces they recognize they'll watch that one mm-hmm. but i don't know that that makes them go back and watch the original no no Not no usually. if anything the opposite all, all all that's happening is a studio in america is going no americans will ever watch this amazing movie let's make an americanized version and make you know 100 million bucks mm-hmm. it's kind of evil yeah mm-hmm. of course it like is it. yeah <laughs> i don't like it yeah omar Sy is really good in this he's so funny he's effortless yeah he's that's what makes that performance perfect is that it, it seems like he really inhabits that character i keep using that word but like he, he just plays it like a real guy like a like a normal guy mm-hmm. uh you can tell he doesn't want this job you can tell he's hesitant but then you can also tell like they're almost instant friendship like mm-hmm. as soon as they start talking they both love each other yeah and and it's off and running and then right after that once he gets hired he's like if i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this Mm -hmm. and he's just so natural and just awesome yeah yeah Yeah. um and then uh, black panther it feels like we've talked about black panther more than any movie (laughs) in this entire podcast because it was in the uh last bracket we did with the comic books um i'm trying to figure out what else can we say about black panther at this point that hasn't been said um it's excellent has some flaws yes culturally very 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 relevant very very relevant i i i i still i still don't like much of nearly any of that action ending Mm -mm. uh just a couple of things here and there that i like uh but it's just like every other comic book movie to me it's almost like what they did to fucking it's not as bad as what they did to ant-man i'm talking about marvel Mm -hmm. like you get this perfectly good movie about a very very cool society about a very engaging king and a very engaging villain and then they were like let's put some cgi rhinoceroses in there <laughs> yeah for the i'm for more the offended by i mean the rhinoceroses are stupid but i'm more offended by the 
like that super dark battle inside the yeah, mountain. Yeah, the rubber Neo thing, yeah. Where the, you can't tell me that they didn't sit in a meeting and go, let's set this inside the mountain so it'll be darker and we won't have to be as crisp on our everything. Yeah. That moment almost kills the momentum of the movie for me because they do look rubbery. Mm. It's hard to tell what's going on. Uh, and, but then when we get back outside, we got those rhinos, so. <laughs> yeah, you can see them got, in full Got that display. going for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, everything leading up to that, I really, really love, mm-hmm. um, the, I love the Busan thing. I thought, I think that's great. I like, uh, I, all these performances in here are, are top notch. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I love the Letitia Wright character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the fact that they have better technology than anybody outside of their world has. I know. And I hate the fact that this was such a huge milestone for marvel and they've marginalized almost this entire cast since then at the expense of endgame yeah and, and uh infinity war and it seems like you play would, of this character seems man. like you would make a movie like this that that was number one domestically by the way over the fucking infinity war right yeah i mean obviously infinity war took off more worldwide but uh you, you would think that after something like that that would just make you want to make even more of these mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. Or include them more in, especially Infinity War and Endgame. Well, because well, yeah. they just dusted them. I mean, in Infinity War, like, Black Panther gets dusted. Sure, he gets dusted, right? Uh, I think most of them do. Yeah. I think. Um, oh, it's just uh, the Dana Danai Garai that. Uh, the gal from Walking yeah, Dead? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. She's left. Yes. But, uh, I mean, everybody was anticipating that whole Shuri and uh, Tony, uh, you know, uh, teaming up or something like that. Yep. And you get this kind of small moment between Shuri and Banner, right? Yep. Yeah. One, but it's, one line, basically. But it's basically Banner being like, oh, we didn't think about that or something yeah. like that. Then cut, smash yeah. cut to more, like, diggy things and stuff it like could that. Have been, it could have been a next level version of Avengers when we first got to see Tony and Banner be yes. science bros yes. together. Yes. It could have been that with a different dynamic, mm-hmm. but we didn't get that at all. Yeah. No. We dusted her. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, of course, you know, I guess when you, when Endgame is already packed to the gills with all sorts of people yeah, and everything. You, we're essentially saying, please give us more characters yeah, at the end of Endgame. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a, you know, yeah. Uh, so between these two, which ones are we going to, I'll go first on this one. Uh, even though this is, this is almost like picking blindfolded between, I mean, these two movies to me are like, <laughs> Her, are like, they are. are right, are neck and neck. Even mm. though, yes, I probably have more, uh, I've, I've been steeped more into Black Panther than I have. I've only seen The Untouchables once, but I did see it recently. Mm. Um, uh, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Black Panther here. I'm surprised by that. I'm gonna go Untouchables. The Untouchables I'm... may be an experiential pick for me, but, I don't think you get a movie like that very often. I mean, as seen by the the ham-handed, mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm I'm just going by the reviews. I haven't seen the movie, but the the attempt at the remake, you can't recreate that magic. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyway, tie vote. What you got? Intouchables. Woo! And I think Chris is right. It's they're pretty even in terms of like, I could have I could have flipped a coin, mm. um, but uh, well, that one had that one that one has. That one has my heart. All right. So the Untouchables moves on. And, uh, yeah, that's one of those, um, <laughs> that's one of those decisions that if you asked me last week, I'd probably go <laughs> the Untouchables. 
but it's one of those it's one of those things where like the water you know in jurassic park where jeff goldblum is uh, dropping the water on lardern's arm oh yeah <laughs> like, tiny, tiny imperfection tiny, yeah, tiny, like, tiny. which one we're now which way is going to go well let's say it's the, it's going to be the same this time okay you think it's the same all right oh see it went another way why is that tiny imperfections <laughs> microscopic microscopic yeah. <laughs> um let's see okay so then it will face off against the winner of either the third seed, the Raid 2, Barrendahl, mm. or the 14 seed, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. Yeah. Uh, this is like the, the pieces of Jeremy's heart are like breaking off right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, the Raid 2 is still one of the best action movies i've ever seen in my life um uh it's i don't man i don't know how they how they it, it's they they can't really do that here you have to have somebody like keanu reeves right who doesn't give a shit about yep. uh doing the stunts and doing the work and yep. you have to have a keanu reeves to do that yeah and you also have like american studios are much more worried about lawsuits and insurance mm -hmm. Uh, not to say that studios around the world aren't ever worried about that stuff, but uh, you know, if you there may be a reason why we haven't seen Eco Uweis in a great big action film, American made, where he's mm -hmm. used properly because the studios may not want to let him do all the shit he got to do himself. And look at that kitchen fight at mm -hmm. the end of the raid too. That, don't talk to me about stuntmen. Yep. Those two fuckers are doing all of that shit. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I was talking with somebody the other day. We were sharing around this video of that uh, highway chase where I saw this movie with Josh Childs in the theater and they're doing this car chase and the camera pops out of one car and then goes down the road. And turns and looks in the next car, then goes in the driver window, <laughs> into the back seat, out that back window, and turns and goes down the road even further. And the way they shot that, when I saw it in the theater, I literally said, how the fuck did they do that? And then when you watch it, there's a whole, the driver's seat, it's actually flipped driving because we're in a different country. So it's a passenger seat, but it's on what Americans would call the driver's side. It's a person in a seat costume and the camera zips down on what? this like skateboard thing on the road and hands the camera to the guy dressed as a seat who then lays back and hands it out the window to a guy who's on another skateboard thing outside being dragged alongside the car. He holds it steady and then that thing starts going down the road. Good God. Like when you see it, it clicks, but when you watch it in the movie, like that's impossible. Like that's not even possible. They've, that's a YouTube video. Oh yeah, I'll find it for you. We'll put oh, it in the description. But they hand yeah. that camera off twice in that scene, and it's dressed seamless. like a seat. He's dressed like a seat. You can see it if you if you know to look for it. You can oh, you can shit. see it. Uh, but he's got us. There was a guy who was doing prank videos on YouTube where yeah. he would go around to a drive-through at a fast food restaurant, but he was dressed as a seat, so it looked like there was no driver in the car. It's like that. Only it was a camera person. Yeah. As as a technical achievement, that's why. Like people, I hear a lot of people who like the first raid better than the second mm -hmm. one, and I think if if what you care m most about is tight quartered hand to hand combat, I totally get that because mm -hmm. it's just a straightforward. We're going up this building. We're going to beat a bunch of ass. Mm -hmm. But the second one gives you a little more story and a lot more camera work that's impressive. Like, even before that kitchen fight, he has to get through uh, Hammer Girl and Baseball Boy mm -hmm. in that red shining hallway where you never want to see a camera reflection. And I don't know how you do that. Yeah. I guess you might have had to go back in CG afterwards. But to even shoot it in a mirrored hallway yeah. is kind of a ballsy yeah. move. Yeah. Um, 
I could talk about this movie for forever. Yeah, and then they have the you have the prison riot thing. That's <sighs> also done well. In the like, mud. <laughs> yeah, like most of the time, uh, if that movie's shot in America, then you're going to have nothing but cutting everywhere and bad just fighting and yep. everything. But this, People they make falling down. He makes sure to like have that ground level view of the the combatants going through that mud Ugh. and everything. Uh, you know, I I know I I know that's the reason. I mean, we uh you know movies made overseas don't have to worry about the insurance thing yeah. jackie chan famously yeah. couldn't come over to america and do the same things that he did in his movies in hong kong mm. uh he had to he had to be an american uh actor at that point uh where you have stunt people and everything and maybe they let him do a couple of things but um but the reason why the Jackie Chan didn't translate as well, even though he did had a couple of big hits mm -hmm. like, you know, rush hour and Shanghai noon and stuff like that. But like, uh, most of the movies that he did, we didn't connect to very well because he wasn't doing the yep. stuff. Yep. And this is the raid two is all about everybody doing their own thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it had my attention already when it, with that, uh, opening chase and stuff like that, because yeah. it picks up right after the first movie leaves off. But that prison fight, is where like I got out of my my chair. I didn't see it in the theater, but I was like, "Holy shit!" Because <laughs> like it starts, it's got this great tension build up of like everybody kind of moving in unison, and they're all sitting out while it's getting all muddy and everything. Uh, and then once the big guy goes after Rama, and uh, like you see traditional fighting, and then he breaks the fuck out of his leg, <laughs> and, just crack, mm -hmm. and it's like that away, and he's like, ah, and he starts choking him out. That's where it like starts just going off, and people are you know, stabbing each other a million times and shit like that. Mm -hmm. God. Yeah, it's man. It's awesome. It's yeah. visceral. Yeah. Oh, God. We're going to have to watch that shit after the podcast. Oh, yeah, my man. God. I was jerking off to it. Earlier. It's <laughs> visceral. Uh, <laughs> jerking off to it. I think that's what it is. It's like... I know. He's like, you guys come in for the podcast one day. I'm watching the raid, and I've got a blanket over me. There's got to be people that get off of that. There's people Probably. that get off on everything. Probably. Oh my god! I mean, by by the time it's amazing the pacing of this movie because that's what the first third of the movie is the the prison fight. It uh yeah, that's maybe about, about halfway uh, through first quarter I think. And then you have like all the story stuff and everything interspersed with with a bunch of the fights and the the one at the nightclub with the long haired guy. Yeah. Uh, and then they have to go to where they went to in the kitchen fight to make that stand out at that point. Yeah. And God damn, that's like a like a nine minute fight straight it's up. way longer than you think it is. And, and it ends like three times. <laughs> it does. And the, what I love about it is they're both they both have a cocky respect for each other. Mm -hmm. Like they both have these expressions every time they separate and then square off again, whether they got their knife, their claw knives out or not. Like there's this expression they both have that says, I'm going to win this fight, but I, I appreciate you lasting this long. Uh, and it, I feel like it really could have gone either way. They didn't sure. make him a Superman where, you know, he just comes in and beats this guy's ass and fight. Even everybody he fights in the whole movie, you know, does damage to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he could easily have lost that last fight. God, I love this movie. Yeah. I want a third. I want a third. But instead, he went and made some kind of weird island, save my sister horror movie. What was it? Um, Talk about Gareth Ed Evans? Yeah, it was a Netflix film. Um, Did you see it? Not Apostle. I saw the first 20 minutes, and it, it. I'm guessing it's what Midsummer is like. And I turned it off. Oh, um, Apostle. Is it the Apostle? The it's, it's, it, I see a movie called Apostle. Apostle. Man. Okay, that's it. Huh. It's about a guy whose sister got 
caught up in some island weird Ooh, lucy boynton cult and he goes to try and save it's a uh, famous dan stevens i think yeah yeah um i watched the first 20 minutes and just realized it wasn't for me it's gonna be more icky oh okay fingernail pulling type stuff and not action like it's a departure it is but i applaud him doing that yeah, sure. now go back and make a third raid movie. <laughs> the raid two goes up against spider-man homecoming oh, um, boy. so yeah spider-man homecoming was was basically i mean before we knew uh what it was it was a yet another reboot mm-hmm. of this franchise it, and it was just too soon mm-hmm. after amazing spider-man 2 and i think i don't i don't know how many people were on board with andrew garfield i i was personally yeah um but i guess after part two everybody just sort of like got tired of it or something he's not the problem with part two he's not the problem with either of those (laughs) movies i don't think he is either but um but uh yeah the people weren't responding to those amazing spider-man uh andrew garfield versions so uh you go and get tom holland on this one and uh and obviously he's he's the perfect spider-man i mean he's better than anybody that's ever I agree. done it i agree um, best we've had so far yeah um uh the youthful exuberance that he he gives to that role uh is something that uh he, the, you know toby Maguire couldn't do because he was i think he was 30 something he, he was 28 he was not quite 30, but he was like upper 20s when he first did it. But he didn't look like no damn high school. No, he didn't. <laughs> and uh, and Andrew Garfield obviously didn't either. So to have somebody who looks like they're actually in high school is a really like big thing. And then you put in a great sidekick with Ned and, this <laughs> and everything. Uh, the movie was immediately just super fun. And Michael Keaton's a great, great villain yep. to throw mm-hmm. into this. Uh, and... um. You know, I, I thought it was kind of cool that they they made it where he was the cleanup crew for the Avengers yeah. shit. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. Like they 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 threw like like the the government obviously the government's going to get their own people on that yes. afterwards. So it's it the fact that they even got in on yeah. this job yeah. is insane. But it does it does offer a nice little connection to the to the larger world and everything. The uh, weird rumors I'm reading the last few days are that Raimi's now Sam Raimi's uh, Doctor Strange two in the multiverse of madness may go full bonkers apeshit multiverse on us like. I'm I'm hearing rumors, reading rumors. Tobey Maguire may show up wow. from an alternate universe, a la Into the Spider Verse, <laughs> which would be I'd be more open to that than sure, goddamn man. J.K. Simmons being at the end of Far From Home. Yep. Um, but you know, you told you call the movie Multiverse of Madness. I think we need to expect a little bit of Into the Spider Verse shenanigans going on in this movie. And Raimi, I mean, if it's not going to be Derrickson, Raimi is a, a good choice to. Raimi's a great it. choice to do a comic horror type. You know, something that le- leans a little more into horror, but not in a way that makes you scared or not mm-hmm. in a gory way. I wonder now that people know that the Michael Sarah character in Molly's Game was Tobey Maguire, <laughs> if he's going to work much more anymore. I the other day, uh, Prisoners was on. Ah, and uh, and there's that moment at the end where he's just going ballistic on the kitchen basically he's th- he's ripping the the freezer door off and he's which movie 
uh, not prisoners, uh, brothers. Oh, okay, good. You, you oh, messed with me there for a second. <laughs> uh, the movie Brothers uh, yeah. is when uh, at the end of Brothers where he is uh, in the kitchen and he's just ripping, you know, he's ripping the kitchen up and everything. And I was like, God damn, I don't think I've seen Tobey Maguire this intense ever. And uh, it's uh, it's an emotional, intense ending to that movie. And mm. I was like, all right, I'm going to go and look up Tobey Maguire because I haven't seen him in a while. Has he been doing like the straight to video things or whatever? No, he's just not doing much. I mean, he's certainly got enough money. If he doesn't ever want to work again, Mm -hmm. he doesn't have to. But he and DiCaprio were both part of a self-proclaimed pussy posse Mm -hmm. at one point. So to tell me that that the Michael Sarah character in Molly's game is him, not really that big of a stretch for me. I can see that. I can see that he would be the kind of guy that would be like that. Yeah, but I think people can sort of accept a pussy posse as far as you're as far as you're just young guys yeah. no well, i guess what i was saying was that i'm we shouldn't be necessarily surprised to find out 20 years later that maybe he wasn't such a good yeah, guy yeah yeah you're probably right you're probably right although um, you know leo apparently seems like a good guy but you know all he ever seems to do is make movies and sit on a yacht so how do yeah. i know and date uh date younger babes yeah yeah well, i don't know why i said it like that. babes <laughs> yeah. babes um, i was trying to say something judicious yeah and so babes is what so just, okay so spider-man homecoming um which is where we were <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe one of the most flawed movies i love with my whole damn heart mm-hmm. like i love the martian i'm famous for it i've seen it more than 50 times but i could defend the martian on its quality um and you're going to today oh great awesome <laughs> glad i came ready um but I'm not sure I can defend Homecoming on its overall quality. Like, I always find myself defending Homecoming on its charm and its humor uh, and its acting, which is great. But the got squeamish airplane That's the very end, though, man. Like, you were talking about the, the, the monument scene earlier. Yes, it is damsel in distress, right? But still, it's about, like, a nerdy kid on a quiz bowl team going to D.C., it's so very high schoolish, And oh, yeah. that whole scene of him getting up there to the top of the, the monument is so anxiety-inducing because he's nervous about it. He doesn't know what his abilities are. He's got the suit talking to him and all that stuff. And you, you still don't know how it's going to turn out because he releases and catches it like multiple times. Yeah. Uh, I think everything up until that very end is completely defendable. Well, I... <laughs> It's weird. We're switching roles here and I'm not bashing the movie (laughs) like the stuff has always bothered me like Iron Man's involvement in this movie has always bothered me um, because a Spider-Man didn't have that. That's the kind of the whole point of Spider-Man is that he lost his Uncle Ben. Now we've got a surrogate immediately with all these expensive tech toys who can help him and who can come save the day at the ferry. And it just felt like an Iron Man movie as much as it did a Spider-Man movie. I think that's your baggage. I think that's your Spider-Man baggage. I don't have that baggage. Well, I also don't like a high-tech suit that talks to him and, and can d- dispatch a, a part of it to go be a drone. But his interaction with that, meaning that he doesn't know how to use it necessarily? You're, okay. Well, well, I guess what I'm saying is I would have done it different. Mm-hmm. I love the movie. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying go watch this movie. It's fucking awesome. But I prefer a Spider-Man that doesn't have Tony Stark's help. Yeah. Both, I, I prefer a Spider-Man that makes his own suit. I prefer a Spider-Man that is smart on his own and then enhanced with the fucking spider bite. And he doesn't need a smart tech sugar daddy fuck. <laughs> Boo-boo kitty <What>? fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have it for half of the movie. Like the, the latter half of the movie. What? 
He doesn't have the suit. The high tech latter half, the last twenty minutes. All right. It's um uh Michael Keaton's character does more with that technology than the Chitari do in Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. Yep. What the fuck, yeah. man? What the fuck? And it's really arguably not even him, it's that, you know, t- oh, yeah. tinker yeah. guy who's who's the, doing the one that being the one that makes that shit, but yeah. I mean, yeah. All right. Uh I'm going to go raid 2 here. I'm going to go raid two here. Take my voice out of it. I, I'm going to go raid two too. <laughs> I tell you, well, the last thing about raid two is that, did you ever watch the Woo Assassins show with, uh, Eco mm-hmm. Ace? Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch that? Nope. Um, it was just such a depressing use of this wonderful actor. He's, he's objectively terrible in, in this show, in the series when it comes to acting. But I really think it's all because it's in English, mm-hmm. and he's trying to act in English. You go back to Raid 2, he's a really good actor. Yeah, he is. Like, he's acting a lot through his eyes, through his fights. Uh, it's disappointing. I hope he gets used, if he does do American movies or American shows, I hope he gets used better than than what we've seen so far, because he's such a good actor. Yeah, mm-hmm. Force Awakens really gave him the finger. I watched that uh, recently, and I was like... It was, oh God! It Damn, was they on, dispatched them. It was on last minutes. night. That's why I tweeted last <laughs> night about. Hey, remember when they cast those two guys from the raid? Gave them two lines of dialogue and then had some kind of octopus blowfish monster. Yeah, people. yeah. Uh, what a waste! Imagine that guy with a fucking lightsaber. Oh my God! Darth Maul uh, can suck uh, my taint. Like <laughs> this guy would rule all. <laughs> I you, like, would, you would have a little issue with the horns. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't think it through practically. <laughs> All right, everybody, it's time to talk about Mubi once again. Movie. Yeah, you were, uh, we have uh, Tigger in here today. <laughs> uh, oh, bother. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I guess so. Um, uh, you know what? Here's the cool thing about Mubi as well. Not only are there, you know, your, your typical movies that you've never heard of before that are great. They're uh, diamonds in the rough and everything. But there's also some short films that yeah. come on there, and uh, that's something that you don't get a chance to see very often mm-hmm. either. A lot of times you have to go out and seek those. Sometimes there, it's you know you can find them elsewhere. But like this one, right now, currently on movie, there's one called The Staggering Girl on there. Yeah, which had which was directed by Luca Guadagnino, mm-hmm. uh, who did Oh uh, Man, Call Me I'd By be- Your Name. I had been practicing that name this whole morning, and you stole it from me. <laughs> you can still say it. Guadamino. Now I can't say it. Now I'm going <laughs> to fuck it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, the guy who directed Call Me By Your Name and, uh, and Suspiria and, uh, and I Am Love and all that, uh, this uh, short stars Julianne Moore, and it has Mia Goth in it, mm-hmm. and it has uh, Kyle MacLachlan, sudden Kyle MacLachlan in sudden. it. Yeah. It's the best yeah. kind. Yeah, exactly. Um uh very interesting film he he's he's never he's a hard nut to crack that guadagnino guy he is have you seen i am love i have what do you think of it i haven't seen it in forever but i i remember going man this movie is so lushly beautiful and 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 tilda swinton's awesome and uh i don't know what happened <sighs> that happens a lot besides call me by your name where you know definitely yeah what that's happened. his most straightforward <laughs> movie yeah i mean everything else including this uh suspiria is is like that um like there's just it's always gorgeously shot especially when it's something like italy where it's shot uh in in this movie it's split between new york and italy uh this is i think 
for him even further out there than Suspiria in a different way. Yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah. Uh, this is very, very ethereal and dreamlike, and it, if you you got to know that going in, I think. Mm-hmm. Like if if you have that, if you're if it's like Roma, if you're expecting something to happen, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you immerse yourself in it, though. It's a beautiful experience, hmm. uh, especially not only is it Guaranino huh? uh, and Julianne Moore, who's who's excellent in this, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also got a score by uh, Ryuchi Sakamoto, uh, who's a great composer. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird kind of unsettling score. And then it resolves and it's nice and like it's like a deep breath, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, um, and uh, and and I guess basic bare bones. Uh, it's only thirty seven minutes, mm-hmm. but uh, Julianne Moore is visiting her mother, and there is a. I guess they've decided that she needs to take her mom back to New York with her so that she can take care of her. Or otherwise, they're going to have to put her in a home. I guess because she's blind mm-hmm. and she's also an artist. Uh, who apparently this is the, the one of the more interesting parts of the movie was Kyle McLaughlin is saying that uh, you know like she she asked me to dis- describe this like bird for her mm. and 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 she painted it the best she could but the ones that look closest to the swan don't sell as well as the ones that don't uh, look like the swan yeah. at all yeah and uh, it kind of goes into this critique of modern art yeah uh that that you see in documentaries about modern art and like yeah. jacking up prices and stuff like that he's saying the ones that that have the highest dollar signs are the least like what i'm describing right i just want her to do the thing that i'm describing you know? yeah yeah but that's a that's a really interesting movie there's also a three minute short film on there called throat singing and kangersook i think that's how you spell that. Mm-hmm. i mean pronounce that i'm not sure uh it's uh i thought it was carker stark oh it could be it could be uh it's uh, it's that's a, next door it's a foreign film from canada uh, <laughs> uh but uh it's uh you, you these two women who were in the middle of this like barren like ice ice land ice world of some sort it's not iceland but it's hoth yeah it's hoth <laughs> it's hoth you can, yeah totally you can see wreckage of the at-ats back there um but uh but they but there's this way of singing that they have mm. Uh, that you were talking about something that some metal bands have tried. To, yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, but they but they they sing and then it's like a whole bunch of beautiful imagery as they do this unusual type of uh, performance and everything. Only three minutes long. I've yeah. got I have actual tube and throat singing records in my house. Oh, really? My wife went through a thing where she was like. She's still it's super interested in it. It's not a melodic. No, it's super of, calming, though. It is. It is. And uh, <clears throat> I know a lot of people use it like for meditation and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, but, you know, it's a real thing. Like yeah. you can buy this music and people hmm. have trained their throats. It's like Kenny G's circular breathing. Yeah. yeah where yeah. he's like one yeah. of the only people. These people are the only people that can do this, but they train themselves to be able to make multiple notes with one voice yeah. by use, using their throats fascinating stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. uh that uh, that movie or that short the staggering girl movie helped produce it yeah too. it's a movie release so yeah it's it's a, an actual like uh exclusive thing to movies so this is the only place that you're going to see this and it's not like oh well it's a pretty good director and it's a pretty good cast and everything you can watch it on movie no this is like top tier uh everything from luca guagodino <laughs> to julianne moore yeah. to uh the rest of the cast mia goth is actually really really good in this uh it's a uh it's a collaboration with the director of valentino 
uh, dresses too. So there's a lot of pretty dresses. In pretty there. dresses. I don't, I don't know why I pointed. Right <laughs> up my alley. Mm-hmm. I love pretty dresses. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's worth getting Mubi this month just to watch that. Yeah. Uh, it's the only place that you're going to watch it. So go to Mubi.com slash CinemaSins. Get 30 days free. 30 days. 30 days. That's a month. I was going to say, it's especially worth getting Mubi um, any month if you use that URL because mm-hmm. you get that first month for free. Mm-hmm. So it's worth free. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> no, this is a really great deal. We love Mubi. You've heard us talk about it before. Uh, we are uh, in love with this service. Curated streaming service for movies that you maybe wouldn't go out of your way to see uh but they know what they're doing they'll put them in front of your eyeballs you consume them with your eyeballs it transmits to your brain and then to your loins and everything is good mm. movie.com slash cinema sense 30 days free gardenio <laughs> <laughs> yes uh the raid 2 will now go up against the untouchables um <laughs> on to the seven seed mission impossible ghost protocol versus the 10 seed moonrise kingdom Ooh, wow. <laughs> i just realized the the ridiculousness of this one yeah it's uh you know, i watched a uh uh did you ever see the snl parody of uh wes anderson doing a strangers type of uh horror movie i think so it's like the coterie of midnight intruders or something like that <laughs> and it's basically all of the west end it's narrated by alec baldwin himself in, yeah. the, in the episode and it's ed norton playing owen wilson yeah, <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like wow there's some strangers outside wow what do you think this is did you see the trailer for the new wes anderson yes i did wow it's baffling to me uh it seems like a very wes anderson it does film. it does uh, but it's i mean it's he's definitely Obviously, it got his style, but this is the movie that has as much heart in it as anything since Rushmore. Yeah, I agree with that. That's why I usually don't, I don't dislike Wes Anderson, and it's clear that he's an artist. Uh, but I'm, I'm really touched by his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I've touched your children, and I'm pretty sure they touched you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Rushmore and this one have the most heart. Royal Tannenbaum's is like a lot of people's favorite, and that one has like negative heart. Oh. <sighs> Wrong, but it's, it's not, <laughs> this is not the space to discuss that. Um, so yeah, Moonrise Kingdom um, is is. I mean, this was a this one might be one of his biggest. This might be one of his biggest hits. Actually, he doesn't he doesn't make yeah. movies that make a lot of money necessarily. Um, but I remember this being at the Belcourt, and it was like selling out every weekend and stuff like that. Forty five million gross. Uh, 45 million domestic, 22 international, so 68 million. It's yeah, gotta I, don't, be I mean, I don't one, think right? Rushmore did all that great, and I don't think Royal Tannenbaums did. Um, um, Life Aquatic, Life Aquatic for sure didn't. <laughs> Darjeeling didn't for sure. No, maybe uh, Grand Budapest because it got yeah, so many. Yeah, Grand rewards. Budapest may have. Um, uh, but this is a you know you have a, it's a sweet uh like pre adolescent romance uh thing. The line that always comes back to me in this movie is after the dog gets shot 
and the kid goes over to the dog and the and the girl's like so was he a good dog and he's like who's to say <laughs> but he didn't deserve to be killed <laughs> every interaction between this, this boy and this girl in this movie when they're all on the run is priceless yeah because they're acting so adult but they're 12 mm-hmm. um it, it's charming as hell in fact i I hate when it cuts away from them back to Ed Norton or yeah. anybody else because it's so unique um, to see how these two people are just casually. Well, now we're, let's kiss now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're very adult and it's it, it, it's easy to get caught up in like, should we be watching this? Like they're down to their underwear and stuff right. like that. But but there there's there's enough technical distance there where you can still feel warmth for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and stories like this need to be told. I grew up watching stories like this of pre-adolescence and things like that, like, you know, love stories and My Girl and Bridge mm-hmm. to Terabithia and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I think it's I think it's just delightful to see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, box office, number one Wes Anderson box office, uh, domestic is Grand Budapest Hotel with 59. Total is 163 million for Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, second is Royal Tenenbaums, 52 domestic. Uh, 71 overall, and then third is Moonlight King. Okay. Mm, right. Yeah, because even like Fantastic Mr. Fox didn't do anything even. Um, God, but it I sure did. I think he makes these movies that are just, you know, they're like $3 million. And, mm-hmm. you know. He- well, and all these people keep coming to work for him. You know. Owen Wilson and Ed Norton are not charging him full price. No, they're working that scale. Yeah. And Bill Murray may be doing it for, like, tacos. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, Moonrise Kingdom's really good. It's going up against uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Um, We chose this one. I know that I think a lot of people uh, uh, think Fallout is the best one um i think that's a recency bias it, it might be although fallout probably it's hard to say that it has better stunts i did see a blog article the other day on one of the gawker sites the title was mission impossible fallout is goddamn perfect and mm-hmm. there was like a whole article basically explaining why <laughs> this movie is perfection All right. um yeah. i i mean Fair. you're splitting hairs on any yeah. of the most recent three i think uh i would put them ghost protocol fallout rogue nation but they're all A's or A pluses, so mm-hmm. you know we're not like dogging on any of them. No, no. This is the first one. I know he did. He did some some crazy stunts in two. Well, he did some crazy stunts in one, two, and three. Uh, we were watching a behind the scenes on two where he does that knife thing where it gets a an inch away from his eyeball. Yeah, they actually had that on a rope. It, that's a practical effect. They had that on a rope, so it couldn't where go it any stopped further? right there, like that's, a half an inch from his. Eye. I think that's stupid. I think that's incredibly stupid. I but think that's, that's a stupid. practical. Well, he thing. did some rock climbing in that movie too, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it opens at the with, beginning? Yeah, yeah. Before the Limp Biscuit song, uh, and then, but uh, before was really where he went bonkers, right? Because yeah. he didn't really do anything in three that was insane to the level of no i think he had decided by the time ghost protocol came out he was going to be a true like uh, he may have not he may have not used stuntmen very much in the past for all i know but this is the first time where i felt like he must have done like he did did he do all of them or did he do Maybe well, he a, was out on the fucking side of the Burj Khalifa, hanging out the top of that he's, building. He's definitely on the building. Um, <laughs> I'm just wondering if there's maybe a couple of maybe flips or something like that where he still uses a stuntman here and there, but stuff like that. He's like, I'm going to be, a, uh, who cares if I die? 
Yeah. Um, uh, that Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, uh, that entire sequence from the moment that they are trying to fool the buyers in the one level, and then they have the mm. other, they have two like competing levels going on. Uh, to the point that he's on the Burj Khalifa, to the sandstorm coming, and all that is the is the craziest shit. Like until Mad Max Fury Road comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I mean, Matt, and of course, Mad Max Fury Road also has a sandstorm. Uh, but uh, but like that, it never lets up. It's once it starts that that's a once it gets to the sandstorm and he chases dude through all the 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 highway and everything and it finally ends that's another like yeah moment absolutely because everything goes wrong in the Burj Khalifa Mm -hmm. everything like they don't get to hack the way they wanted to they've got to he's got to climb up the wall and get to the machine so he can physically touch it but then they're on different floors and then the the shit doesn't the 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 face mask thing breaks and so they have to just impersonate without (laughs) masks yeah Um, Yeah, that's the beginning of the I guess we'll have to Assume that they've never met. <laughs> that yeah. <they> do. <laughs> yeah. He really flies by the seat of his pants on that. Hole. He's climbing that Burj Khalifa thing. One of the gloves doesn't work and it fly, flies yep. off. Yep. And, and, uh, and he's got to, he's got to use the one. And it's like, God, they just keep like adding more and more. Uh, like, and then he turns around and sees the sandstorm coming. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they, uh, was this an IMAX? Was that sequence yeah. in IMAX? Yeah, yeah. Did you guys see it anyway? Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. Remember oh. I was up, uh, I had all those pot cookies. Oh, yeah. Chris and I went and saw the first, the first opening scene. One of the trailers was the opening scene of Dark Knight Rises. Yep. And then this, this thing. Yeah. Oh my God. I got, uh, that was when I, that was my first experience with what IMAX could truly do other than, you know, stunt movies at Disney or whatever. Yeah. I think they uh, released this in IMAX first and it had like a couple of weeks or something. And then it opened wide. Yeah. Oh, seriously? Something like that. Wow. It was something like you could only see it in IMAX at first. Wow. Um, I could be completely wrong. No, the film that. was released in IMAX and other large format theaters in the U.S. in December 16th. General release December 21st. Oh, All right, so, so, oh, so five. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, this movie is so, so good. So It holds up too. Whatever happened to Paula Patton's character, though? She beats the hell out of that French chick. Yeah, who's like a is that Lisa 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 do? Oh, you mean why isn't she in the movies anymore? Yeah, what happened to to her? They hired Rebecca Hall. Ferguson. Hall? Ferguson. They hired Rebecca Hall Ferguson. Yes, Rebecca Ferguson. (laughs) It's it's a hyphenated last name. Yeah, (laughs) I don't I actually don't remember what what happened there. Because she's alive at the end of this one. Yeah, yeah. And she just isn't in the next one. Yeah. So I don't even think they explain it. I guess not. I mean he's had a different crew up until three. He has Jonathan Reese Myers in three, right? No. Who's the who's the, the kid with the, the, the hair? Oh, Ben Winshaw? I haven't seen three in forever, dude. Let me look this Everybody up. says three is awesome, and in my opinion, three is just not bad after after two. Yeah. It's an episode of Alias. You know what it is? I've never seen Alias. That's and what so, it is. So I think I'm conflate I'm really, really inflating it because to me, I'd, I'd never seen stuff like that. J.J. Abrams do stuff Especially like that Especially when you before. get Carrie Russell in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's Alias. And it's good. Yeah. It's good. But yeah. then it was it was Brad Bird that took it to a whole other level. Mm-hmm. And now McQuarrie has upped it even more. Yeah. And uh, I don't think McQuarrie's ever going to let go of it. Yeah, he's doing the next two, right? They signed for the next two. He's done the, the last two. What was awesome, there was a Twitter thread where somebody was asking him about the first one. 
Mission Impossible, and he was talking about uh, De Palma's camera work in the aquarium scene and how he puts the camera on the ground so that you could get, you know, this sense of foreboding so that when the aquarium breaks and comes out, like, ah, just, uh, well, I'm not a director. I don't make movies, and this is why, because I don't, I don't have that knowledge. I don't have that eye. I'm not that smart. I like movies. I don't like movies, but I'm not trying to say I know what it's all about. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I can't find whoever you're talking about. I just know that you have Simon Pegg, you have Ving Rhames, and you have yeah. uh, um, uh, Rebecca Ferguson. Uh, but up until my, – my point was, for the first three, it was an interchangeable crew besides yes. Luther. Yeah. Uh, so, so even when even even Luther was gone for a while. Yeah, he was gone for. Oh, he was gone for two. two. I guess. Yeah, yeah, he was. Mm -hmm. And then he does he come back? He comes back briefly in the third That's one. That's what I thought. Yeah, he's in three at least a little bit because I saw that fairly recently, and he's he's in there. Yeah. Oh fuck it. Who cares? And it's Jonathan Reese Myers in two. Wow. Sorry, we stepped well, on you there. I thought you were talking about the second one of this new trilogy, not. Part, oh, okay. Not part two. Okay. MI2. <laughs> so I wasn't even thinking of MI2. What I just said is wrong. It's Jonathan Reese Myers as his crew in three. Okay. He is the, the, the crew, part of the crew. That's the one Aaron Paul's in. This has been trying to figure out Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by Mission Impossible yes. and Paramount Studios. All right. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway. Um... This goes up against Moonrise Kingdom. What do we want to do here? Fuck Moonrise Kingdom. Right. <laughs> Ghost I Protocol. Love, I love Moonrise Kingdom. I'm glad it's in the bracket, but it ain't anywhere near the level of Ghost Protocol. No, man. No. Yeah, I will be picking Ghost Protocol as well. It will go up against the winner of this two seed, The Martian, Ooh. or the 15 seed, Booksmart. Fuck you. All right. Which bracket are we in? Did I watch Lady Bird for no reason? No, no, it's it's All coming. Right. Good. Um, Booksmart versus the Martian. <laughs> Booksmart uh, versus the Martian. Yeah. yeah. Now, these are uh, these are near and dear to you. How? Uh, I guess like a lot of what I want to say about Booksmart, I want to save for when we talk about Lady Bird. Because <laughs> I was joking last night on Slack that they're the same movie, and they're not, but. When I finally did see Lady Bird, it felt more like Booksmart than I was expecting. I was expecting it to be a lot more powerful and impactful. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's it's much more of a comedy than I was expecting. Uh, and so it made me walk away going, well, why did it get nominated for Best Picture? But Booksmart didn't even get a whiff. Yeah. Anyway, Booksmart is fucking hilarious. It is. Two great lead actresses written and directed by Olivia Wilde. Hilarious side characters. If you like Superbad, just fucking watch this movie. Mm -hmm. And if you hate Superbad, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, I thought Booksmart was going to be a much bigger hit uh, previous to its uh, release because every time I was in a theater that had that trailer, I heard people laughing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, well, this is, should be a surprise hit. And it comes out and nobody fucking watches it. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I think 15 people saw it. Yeah. It's crazy. We saw this in the theater. I saw this in the theater. I saw it in the theater. Yeah. Um. And I was. I was. Uh, had the same feeling as you. Like this is going to be like a one of those sneaky like big hits. Yeah. This was a. This was one where I think you had seen the movie in the theater, and I had just randomly gone to watch it. I didn't know that you had seen it. Mm. Uh. And I randomly went to watch it. Uh. Over. And then I saw you tweet about it. I think. Uh. Yeah, Booksmart is 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 just a fun movie, man. It's just it uh it's just super fun. Um 
Uh, it's amazing that so many people have still yet to really have come around on it. What I what I called it at the time was uh, the most casually diverse movie I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Because think about it. You've got, and now again, it wasn't a huge hit or anything like that, but it's, it's critically beloved. You've got uh, two female lead characters, neither traditionally supermodel hot. Uh, one is a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a couple of uh, very homosexual characters as like the... the 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 secondary characters um you've got like a huge array of races mm-hmm. and genders and you've got like a uh a weirdish teacher student relationship but she checks it out and she says it's cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like it, just everything is is presented just as normally as like super bad raunchy boys comedy boys being boys and getting drunk and trying to get laid except Everything is different about it. It's like you put it in a boggle thing and, like, you know, shook it up. That was a very heavy shake. Yeah. You just did a really big shake. I think it's pretty clear that she w- was trying to make the cast and the story as diverse as possible. Mm-hmm. Did you see a headline yesterday and the day before her next movie is going to be a biopic of Carrie Strug, Scrug, the Olympic gymnast who had a bum knee who stuck the landing? Yeah, I remember that. Oh, really? Uh, she's going to do a, a biopic about her. She's mm-hmm. super stoked about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, mean, I think she's one to watch. I think that was that was a huge like debut. I think as a director, yeah. yeah. Um, so many other actors turned directors have debuts that are more like albino alligator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who was that? Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm sorry. That's what the one that came reference. out. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Yeah, you probably can't even find that on DVD anymore. <laughs> did you ever see it? I did. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. It had a theaters. lot of great actors in it. Did you? Saw it in theaters. Wow, that's not good. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I can't. I, the I, I also like the fact too that they have the one character who ha- has like like had parties and has fucked everybody and everything, and still has like awesome SAT scores and, and everything. <laughs> yeah. And that's sort of what sets them on this quest, right? Because they're like, we haven't done any of that. We've been, we've been focused on like getting into a good college this whole time. And meanwhile, you have people who are actually having fun out there. What a great fucking scene in yeah. the bathroom where, where she comes out and she's pulling rank on them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I, I'm actually going to, what is it, Brown? I don't remember, or, but I it, I always think about Princeton. Something. I always think about uh, the the uh, Aunt Becky, Lori Laughlin stuff whenever oh, yeah. I yeah. watch yeah. that scene because, you know, the rich kids can get into a good school uh, in ways other than grades. And, um, you know kids without money and means have to have the grades to get there so in a way i, I relate to those characters because i felt like i had to get good grades if i was going to be a success in life i yeah. certainly got better grades than some kids in my class who went to harvard or are fancy pants lawyers now um <clears throat> it's just really good please watch it um it goes up against the martian uh ridley scott's uh this is in the middle of a whole bunch of like well-made space movies um it might be is it right in the middle you have gravity and then interstellar mm-hmm. i think came after it was the sort of the third in the line of uh of those movies but, but- an ironic timing with interstellar because matt damon is in both yep 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 Shh, uh, spoiler <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, right. that spoiler was kept for a long time for that time period yeah well i didn't know it until i watched it 
long after it came out. Yeah, and when you see him, you're like, it's like that. If if you are unspoiled about Kevin Spacey in Seven, when you, yeah. you get to that scene, you're like, oh, it's that guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, The Martian is uh, endlessly entertaining. Uh, Damon is basically just talking to himself the whole mm-hmm. time. It's kind of narration, but it's really him talking to himself, trying to solve the problem. And I think that's what makes the Martian probably, I don't know. Ele- and it's not, ele- I mean, both interstellar and gravity both have their own awesomeness to them, to them and everything, but there's nothing more exhilarating to me than someone actually thinking out the problem. And I know that a lot of times that doesn't seem exciting to people. People just want somebody to go, all right, I need to do this and I need to do this and I need to do this. They do do that towards the end of the movie, by the way. Uh, but, uh, just somebody who's actually sitting there going, okay, I need to do this. I need to consider this. And then like actually making some mistakes too. Any of these mistakes could kill him. That's the keys. And, and in the book, he makes even more mistakes, but I think I did a heart of the movie or planned to, for this movie, when he, I think I planned to, but I didn't do it. When he finally sets the hydrogen on fire after talking about the jet propulsion lab and how they discovered jet fuel and yada yada. And he's like, fortunately, I have hydrogen and rocket fuel bubble. Um, so he combines them in the fire lights and he goes, woo! And then it explodes and blows it back <laughs> against the wall. That perfectly encapsulates this whole movie. It's two steps forward, one step back. And he even comes back and says, you know, I forgot about the excess oxygen I was breathing because I'm an idiot. Isn't that where he's like slightly singed too? Like, oh, oh, yeah. That? Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, you know, he blows up the hab and ends up having to live in the the Mav for a little bit. No, Mav? Not the Mav. The Rover. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's just there are there are countless obstacles. It's it's almost like a whole movie of that Burj Khalifa scene in Ghost Protocol, yeah. where every time he has a little victory, there's some other setback because, as he says in the movie, space doesn't care. Yeah. Wants to kill you. He's a, I mean, there's so many things in here that obviously you would never do if you weren't. I mean, this is gonna, this is so obvious. You would never do it if you weren't in this situation. Uh, the reason like there there are things that you have to think outside of the rules and everything like that to survive especially when he gets that he digs up that <laughs> nuclear that, reactor yeah, or whatever, whatever. Yeah. uh, uh <laughs> the reason why it's buried is because yes obviously you don't want to you know uh put that out in the atmosphere and everything like that but he knows that that's a precaution yes that's not something that you're actually getting like actual radiation that can kill you unless a whole bunch of stuff happens to it which is what the whole reason it's getting buried in the first place <laughs> and he even <laughs> says in the rover as long as it doesn't break wow i almost just said everything will be fine <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 you know uh uh and and solving these little problems man just all of that is just fun all of it is the whole movie is just super fun like i said towards the end of this movie they i feel like they're just making it up a which bit. part all the whole th- the shooting up the the one thing to meet the other oh. the other ship yeah and there's there's a point where they're like uh well we have to go this fast or we won't be able to get him and then they end up going way faster than that yeah and end up being able to still get him somehow yeah. uh it, it seems like every time something happens in that final scene someone goes oh i know and they solve that problem uh-huh. Insta- whereas the whole movie to that point has been what is how do i figure this out i mean obviously they don't have the time see i i always feel like it's just switches perspective and it and it takes that problem solving out of matt damon's hands and puts it in um 
Jessica Captain Chastain. Lewis or whatever, uh, Jessica Chastain, because I love the way they use atmosphere for thrust, mm-hmm. where they blow out, you know, basically the airlock and all of the air rushing out of the ship propels the ship forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's science. That would work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you rarely see that kind of like thinking in a sci-fi movie. It's usually like, hey, hit the side thrusters for three seconds and we'll move out of the out of the way. Um I've said this before. When she catches him and they spin around and she goes, I, I got him. It gives me chills yeah. every time. I've seen it more than 50, 60 times. And I I have to give credit to the way Ridley like, shot and edited that sequence to go back to, uh, uh, fuck. God, I'm so bad with names. I got to stop doing drugs. <laughs> um, the Kate Mara oh, yeah. uh, and the other astronauts on the ship. Then back to the NASA people holding their breath. Then out to the crowds have- in France. Then out to the New York City crowds. And then back to Matt Damon. And they have Bucky on it. Bucky. And they have, bu- <laughs> and they have Bucky. Fucking Bucky. Um, I just, it gives me goosebumps. And it's just, it's every bit as exhilarating for me to watch as Apollo 13. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a, a perfect companion. You could watch these two movies back to back. And I think they would feel like siblings. Oh yeah, um, I agree. There's a there's a look in this movie though that is that pops mm. more so than Apollo 13 is more about more about it's weird to say more about the science more about the problem because everything goes wrong all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, He's in it for the money, not the science. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, and and there's a just because of the, the the time it was made, there's a little bit of a duller look. Just you know, looking at the 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, this one. Everything like the ship, the the uh, the uh, Hermes is mm-hmm. uh, is super sleek mm-hmm. and shiny and stuff they're, like that. Their space outfits, they're like yeah. space uniforms yeah, yeah, yeah. are sharp and all the stuff and... at the the JPL is all like you know cutting edge. All the stuff at NASA just has this great look, like this look that pops. The colors pop. Uh, the actors are f- spectacular across the board. Uh, this is this is definitely if we had a bracket for the most rewatchable movie. Um, in in the last decade, this would be it. This would be up there for sure. Yeah, um, we we made this discussion last week too with the nice guys. Um, yeah, so there are there are several in here that are going to have that kind of quality to it and everything. But yeah, man, the the uh, I'll, we'll get to the voting in just a second. But the the thing about the Martian I like the most is just the fact that uh problem solving. There's all sorts of different kinds of problem solving in in it, and and then there are things where like they i i like the fact that jeff daniels is like we need to get this done in a certain amount of days um and if we have to cut out like testing it out inspections yeah yeah. if we have to if we have to cut that out even we're that's what we're gonna have to do he's like suggesting this because he goes how long does it take to do the inspections and they're like 10 days and then sean bean the crank ass sean bean in this movie he's like (laughs) are you suggesting we don't do the inspections and he basically ends up saying does anybody else have a better idea yeah. No. Okay. Thank you. Because they're in uncharted waters here, and yeah, you would drop the inspections to make up that window if you had to. The, yeah. He's like, how how many times is something found in these inspections? Yeah. And I think it's like what three percent, maybe uh, one times in tw- one time in twenty. I think they say. Yeah. yeah. So like, uh, that's the thing that we that all sorts of different problem problem solving. I love about that kind of problem solving is that. Yes, of course, we would love to. That is a luxury in this situation. Yeah. That 
inspection. You would, of course, do that on a very controlled mission. You would inspect everything. You'd inspect it twice, probably. Mm. But in this case, where the guy's got only this amount of days, he's going to be dead if we do the inspections. Mm-hmm. That's I. That's what I love about shit like that. And he yeah. fucks up. Yeah, it fucks up. And then you got Donald Glover doing his science and his math with the arcs and the beams and the goal. Yeah. Oh, I love when his demonstration, because he hits her, he hits Kristen Wiig with the ballpoint pen, the, the end you click, and she's, it's light, but she's so offended. She's like, hey. Um, yeah, and life lessons. At the end, when he's talking to all the new astronaut students, it's one of my favorite sections when he talks about, and you, then you, you just, you do the map. Uh-huh. You solve the first problem. And then you move on to the next problem. If you solve enough problems, you get to come home. I often will tell my wife, this is life. You solve the first problem in front of you. Then you solve the next one. If you solve enough problems, you get to live life. There you Otherwise, go. you're just stuck on that first problem forever, spinning your wheels. Mm-hmm. And, he, and, th- and, and that just adds even more to it is, is he's going to die if he doesn't do these things. So if, if he dies in the middle of trying to do something else, then so be it. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Yep. It's the way it's going to happen. All right, where do we want to go? Oh, Martian. <sighs> what was it even up against? Booksmart. Uh, <laughs> Booksmart. I'm trying to see if there's a case to be made for Booksmart. There is, but not against this movie. Not against The Martian. The Martian is, is one of one of the most top-to-bottom perfect movies I've seen in a long time. Yeah, yeah I will also be picking The Martian here. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Booksmart. The Martian will go up against Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Oh, fuck Woo. me. All right, our last two matchups. Uh, we have the five seed Spotlight versus the twelve seed Ladybird. Oh, I forgot it was going up against Spotlight. Uh, so these last four movies are the ones that I watched. Um, oh, really? Re- rewatched. Um, just because they seem like really tough. Um, they seem like really tough matchups. I probably could have done that with Spider Man and uh, Twelve Years a Slave as well, but um uh spotlight uh, was best picture in 2015 i believe mm-hmm. um and uh and it uh covers the uh it covers the uh boston diocese uh uh all the priests who were molesting kids and everything um there were there's a there's a group called uh was it slap it was a group called slap that uh had it was a, a bunch of people who uh it was a support group for people who had been molested by priests mm. that this guy had set up uh who initially said there were 13 priests that he knew of that was doing this and so uh the movie is about this small group of uh newspaper writers inside the boston globe called spotlight Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, Mark Ruffalo, and another guy. Some dude this. you've seen in other stuff. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, and um, and apparently the the Globe in the past has gotten such uh, tips that this is happening. But the what the movie sets up so well is that Boston is a tremendously huge Catholic uh, area where not only do you have people who don't want to admit that they've been molested, but you also have a community that wants to defend the Catholic church. So it's very difficult 
to get these kind of accusations out in the open i mean even in through courts because the judges are all catholic going through uh newspapers because the newspapers are also protecting them it seems like everybody in the world is protecting them in this whole thing so like yeah there's even a scene there's a story of that way, way back in 1993 where 20 priests were being accused but the globe didn't really do much with it because mm. they didn't it's it's hard to get that stuff litigated even in the even when they get it even when i've seen this movie maybe 12 times in the last year really after having not seen it before that um <clears throat> all the performances are so mm. real mm. i find myself fascinated watching a scene that's got <clears throat> the guy from mad men um, slattery slattery mm -hmm. and michael fucking keaton mm -hmm. but slattery is keaton's boss and they're both such good actors that they play it, they play it fine. But I'm watching it as I know Keaton is the way bigger actor, and you know feel anyway. They just everybody plays it so real. But once the files get refiled by Stanley Tucci and Ruffalo's in Florida, and they're like, "Get up here, get to the courthouse. We got to get these files. They're now public. Anyone can get them." He goes to the clerk. And the clerk says, oh, the Gagan case, those files are sealed. Yeah. And he's like, no, they've been, it's been refiled. They've been reopened. He's like, I can't help you. So he has to go upstairs and get a judge to write a thing that forces this guy. Comes downstairs, and the guy's like, sorry, we're closing for the day. Sleeps on the bench. <laughs> guy comes in in the morning, and he hands them to him reluctantly. And he says, you can't take those. He's like, I'm going to make copies. He's like, you can't take them out of this room. He's like, can I use your copy? Or like the guy is standing in his way in every possible way he can yeah. to slow down the release of these documents. It's unreal. When he goes to the judge, he's, there's a great line in there. And I don't remember the exact wording, but the judge says something to the effect of what is what is the morality or the ethics or whatever of printing oh. something like this? And he says... What is the morality of the ethics of not printing exactly? This? And then the next scene is he's down there getting the files and everything. And he's the most angry. He goes off Isn't at the he end. Catholic? Well, they all lapsed he, Catholic. Yeah, he had. Uh, he said he had quit, and he he thought he actually makes a statement that he thought he was going to go back into the church at some point. He thought this was something that he would be able to do, but now this has happened. And he's, yeah, yeah. He got, he goes off the fucking rails. Yeah. Right? And that's <clears throat> the thing about this movie. The movie is not, uh, is not like uncovering this thing that we thought was secret. I mean, we, we've known this for a long time. Uh, the, the story that, and I love Lee of Schreiber in this cause he's just so, <sighs> Uh, even there he's everybody's boss but that's not the actor you would think to cast for that role you would think somebody oh, else might that's need right. more gravitas yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. he's the editor when he comes in just like peter sarsgaard does in uh in uh, shattered glass yep. mm. and uh and nobody really knows wh how where to put this guy at first because he's he's very understated and uh, he doesn't say much he doesn't crack jokes like the whole like mm. the rest of everybody does and then but then he comes in and after he's interviewed keaton about what spotlight does and everything there's one of the next scenes later is him just saying you know i think i think we should look into this priest molesting kids thing and it's good spotlight story and everything and this is against what they've normally done in the past because they usually f figure out what the stories are what stories are good enough and everything but this guy is basically the the hero of this whole thing yeah he gets this all go in set in motion slatter even says they're all in that meeting keaton is too and slatter even says oh um well you know spotlight has historically you know had the freedom to pick their own stories and there's this beat and shriver goes 
would you consider picking this one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's it's sobering at the end because they give you all those stats on the screen that I'm sure are now even out of date because it's an even worse problem than we thought. Um, but it's not just Boston where this kind of stuff has happened and the cover-up has happened. It's yeah. probably every city. Uh, it's probably all over the globe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the, the, the thing about this is that Schreiber ends up saying, like, look, you know, the story is that the higher ups knew about it yep. and that they had been covering it up. And so that's sort of what they've been going after this whole time uh, to sort of prove. And yeah, Ruffalo does have a, have, have a great scene in this. In fact, I was like, I was like, Oh yeah, he definitely got nominated for this. I was trying to think during the movie, had he been nominated for this? And then Matt came up and I was like, yeah, he got nominated for this. <laughs> he for did sure. get nominated yeah, for Yeah, for sure. I think McAdams did too. And you're talking about real. McAdams is, I feel like, one of the realest characters in this. Uh, she doesn't really have any outbursts. Mm-mm. It's just the way she's doing her reporter thing. When she goes up on that, she goes to that door and that dude is just basically like, I just want you to know that uh, I got no enjoyment out of molesting <laughs> the kids. And he's like giving her everything that she wants out of the story. And, 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 and she's just like, okay, all right. What in writing this stuff down? Like, okay. So what, what, when did this happen? Where was all this and everything? He's like, well, I just want you to make it clear that I didn't get any enjoyment out of this. And yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know. <laughs> you know. She's doing her job. I heard an interview with the actual person that Rachel McAdams is playing mm-hmm. and she was, she was recounting that story. And she was like, I couldn't believe it. She's this is after knocking after four hundred doors or something like that. Finally, someone the the actual source is coming to me and telling me all this stuff. She was like, I I was my mouth was open, but I had to act like she was acting mm-hmm. like, oh okay, I'm just gonna act like this is a normal conversation and just yeah, jot all this stuff. You down. have to. Yeah, it's a, it's incredible to think of a the person that actually did that, and then b that performance where she was matching that that level of. You got to be fucking kidding me, but also I've got to be a professional and do yeah. that. She has also the interview with the guy who is actually gay that might be the most heartbreaking part of this whole movie. Yeah. Uh, because he's, he's like, he's like talking about how, is it, can you imagine this being your first sexual experience? This is what, this is what happens. And then he, and then he goes, and then you really are gay. And how do that fucks with you later on mm. and everything? Like that, I was just like, oh my god! It's like, and he's like, there's a church right over there, you know. Uh, it's just, uh, I was just devastating mm-hmm. to 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 listen to all this. And um, uh, man, this movie is so good. I and think it's so watchable too. Yeah, it is. I think um, I think when we were talking about best pictures of this past decade and everything, we we sort of forget about this one because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like a best picture. It doesn't feel like it won, really, mm-hmm. for some reason. I don't know what it is, but it's got to be, uh, it's got to be one of the, it's got to be the best or one of the best, along with Parasite, yeah, uh, best picture winners in this decade. I agree with that. Yeah, <clears throat> and you're right. It's interesting that you've watched it so many times over the last year. Uh, I did that right after it came out. I think on Netflix for a while. Um, it, because I, I think we said this recently. For the terrible subject matter, it's just done so well, and it's focusing on the investigation so much yeah. that it's super watchable uh, for the performances alone, for the the editing, the pacing, stuff like that, uh, the the collaborations between Keaton and Slattery and yeah. Liv Schreiber and McAdams and all that stuff. 
Uh, yeah, you're right. This movie's yeah. awesome. It's about it's a little over two hours, but it doesn't feel like it. No, no, it always feels short to me. And yeah. the post feels like it's three and a half hours. Yeah, it does. It does. Seriously, I mean, the post is not bad. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not trying to drag on the post, but it is. You can't hold a candle this movie. <clears throat> no, uh, it goes up against Lady Bird, Greta, Greta Gerwig's uh, directorial debut. With Saoirse Ronan and uh, uh, Beanie, Beanie Feldstein is Beanie this. Feldstein. Uh, you have Timothy Chalamet playing an asshole. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's such a mega asshole. Well, and you got <laughs> your favorite guy in this too, Lucas Hedges. Lucas Hedges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lucas Hedges. He's had a run. What a cool, what a cool turn for his character, by the way. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. God, I mean that. This movie, I think, I loved it super high when i when i uh first watched it mm-hmm. and then i was like i kind of almost like pushed it aside i was like nah, it was that was all right it was a slice of life whatever yeah i think it's probably better than i remember interesting uh, i i watched this last night uh i am doing everything i can like chris has already seen everything in the bracket because he's chris so he's re-watching uh i'm just trying to catch up on a few that I, there's two or three in each each bracket that i haven't seen and this was this was the one for this so i finally watched it last night and I thought it was great. Yeah. I would give it an A, maybe even an A plus. Mm-hmm. I did not. I am struggling to make sense of why that was nominated for Best Picture when I think a lot of recent female coming of age dramedies are just as good in quality. Edge mm-hmm. of 17, Booksmart, Easy A, I think are all as good as this. And all those, mm-hmm. those three you just mentioned don't have that that gravitas uh issue with it or what it like ladybird feels more like a drama feels more like a, those three that you mentioned are very much comedies even though they have drama and everything and they also advertise themselves although i don't think edge of 17 well edge of 17 was kind of raunchy a little bit at mm-hmm. least it yeah so like uh easy a wasn't terribly raunchy but i mean like they they, they have this uh i don't know sorority frat vibe to them Whereas Lady Bird does. Well, and that's, I felt that way before I watched it. I felt like I was getting ready to watch a film with more gravitas, and I it ended up playing, it is more dramatic than those three, but it ended up playing as much comedy as drama yeah. to me, and I loved it. It is funny. Yeah, I yeah, loved it. Man. I thought it was great. There are some, there's some moments in here re-watching that I completely forgot about. There's a scene that... It, it, some scene ends it cuts to this next scene and she's talking to beanie feldstein outside the lockers and she goes i think it's natural not to touch a penis <laughs> <laughs> that's the opening line of that scene <laughs> i also i really like laurie madcalf in this she's awesome and i i'll be honest i did not know she was in it like oh yeah all that i took from Lady Bird from all of its whirlwind awards season press was Greta Gerwig wrote and directed, and Saoirse Ronan, Saoirse Ronan, Saoirse is great. Mm-hmm. That's all I knew. I think I might have knew, known Chalamet was in there, but I didn't even know Laurie Metcalf was Metcalf in it. Metcalf got nominated for this. Well, see, I wasn't paying attention then, but she's fantastic. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's every great. bit as good as anyone else in this movie, and she has maybe the most thankless role. So, well, it's a complicated character because mm-hmm. she's not all evil, and she's not all good she is the one that has to be the bad guy in the in the parent dynamic because yes. the tracy letts character is always like whatever is cool with yeah. me and but she also goes like that 10 percent just mean. a little bit yeah like especially the dress That's buying scene Saoirse, and stuff Rona, like that. Saoirse ronan's character is kind of a little shit in this movie she <laughs> is that's the thing is that because she's the protagonist we forgive her but right. she's kind of a dickhead yeah she yeah. is 
which is what makes it at the end, I think, when they sort of have that phone call or they reconcile or whatever. Yeah. That, they both have have reason to reconcile. And I, both have- from what I understand, that's a very typical mother-daughter type of relationship where you say mean shit that mm. you don't really mean and you you kind of needle each other, even though one's supposed to be the adult there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's hard to keep that dynamic. Sometimes you slip. Yeah. 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 I love too. Right after she turns eighteen, she goes to that gas station. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, I'd like to get some cigarettes, a scratcher, <laughs> and a playgirl. And so the guy like gets all the stuff and goes, I just want you to know that I'm getting all this stuff because I turned eighteen. <laughs> and he goes, Happy birthday, <laughs> playgirl. And she's she's looking at the playgirl. And dude's like wangs hanging out and everything. <laughs> Just sitting there smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie. Uh, it's uh, going up against Spotlight. Uh, where we want to vote on this? Oh boy, I'm uh, Spotlight. We're all uh, we're all pretty simpatico uh, on these picks. Today at least we are. Today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, Spotlight is an important movie. It's a well acted movie. This this is. It, time will tell, but I think it could be just as watchable and as important as something like All the President's Men later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think people will be talking about it in 30 years. Lady Bird, yes, they will be talking about it, but kind of down the list. So yeah, yeah. Spotlight for me. I will also Tone be down going. Little, is that what you said? Down the list. Oh, down the list. Things people. I will also be picking Spotlight. So uh, have we only had one like against the grain pick all day? Yeah, I picked Black Panther. Uh, um, we were unanimous on every other one, right? I think we have been. Yeah. This one's going to be a tough one, too, though. Yeah, I'm uh, glad you saved this one for last, because uh, we, we're, we're having a discussion this here. This is going to be a rough <laughs> fucking one right here. Uh, fourth seed, uh, uh, Whiplash, versus the tw- uh, 13 seed, The Town. And whatever wins this goes up against Spotlight. Um so yeah i watched these two again um i had not seen whiplash probably for i don't know a year or two somewhere Mm. in there uh i haven't seen the town probably in a year or two even uh but uh, yeah i had to watch these again because this is this that matchup i was like whoa i don't know i'm so glad you watched whiplash again um i love both of these movies so much but uh whip let's talk about whiplash first um this this movie really does bore down on that whole obsession uh thing right like uh if you really want to be good at something i have to be there i have to do it 24 7 and i have to dump take your girlfriend and dump your girlfriend <laughs> d- dump melissa benoist uh, <laughs> come on now is she supergirl is it there yeah. Yeah. yeah uh uh but not only not only be do it 24 7 but take as much abuse as possible yeah this movie is weird in its way of like i don't know if it justifies it or not it almost feels like it justifies jk simmons in this movie his actions do you think it even takes him to task for this oh man i think it does both the first time i saw the movie first time Mm -hmm. i felt like i felt like the movie was saying see J.K. Simmons was right. He had it in him the whole time. It just had to be pulled out of him. First time I saw it. Okay. I'm not going to say anything else right now. Okay. That's all I want to say. <laughs> but I, I didn't. I didn't feel that strongly the second time I saw it. I do think it's a nuanced character who is more evil than good. But I, 
I think the movie itself is conflicted on how much of that was necessary or not to get Miles Teller where he needed to go. That's what I'm yeah. saying. I think I think it does both. I think it both vilifies and I think it it uh, uh, justifies uh, his actions. It doesn't seem to think that there's a balance, though. It doesn't seem to think that there is. You can have the a good. You can have a life along with this. You know, it seems to be saying that if you, you know, drum your hands bloody and you just let people throw shit at you and everything, you'll become the best. And that's what you want to do to be the best. Like, it feels like there's there's other people out there. They could have ex- put an example of some sort of somebody who didn't go through any kind of they they pick charlie parker Mm -hmm. as the one but like there's no other examples in here of anybody like had like maybe a a good you know didn't have any of that pushing or anything. sure yeah movie you know picks a side basically Uh, i'm not even saying that that would make the movie bad mm -hmm. or is a bad part of the movie it's just very strange to me that it seems like jk simmons is is pretty evil in this there's he's his motivations seem to be rooted in some like i want to be the best too but uh there's some kind of respect between them at the end there is when teller is going off and rocking it and jk simmons is realizing oh this kid is the shit there's almost a respect between them and that's what murkies it for me is that it feels almost feels like teller his character thinks jk simmons actions were maybe okay to get him to this point well that whole last act of the movie uh is 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 what puts doubt into it right because otherwise he's beaten him or essentially right like he he got him fired yeah he got him fired and he beat his ass on stage too even before it gets to that point uh to where like he's he's had the car wreck and all that stuff and and he tackles dude on stage uh even before that he shows up late to that performance and he's like and jk simmons like where the fuck have you been He's like, uh, dude's going to play your part. And he's like, fuck you. He's going to play your part. And he's J.K. Simmons like, what the fuck did you just say to me? He's got to be the first person to stand up to this guy. Yeah, and he looks forever. like he smacked him in the face. Yeah. yeah. Um, because uh, I, and I've dealt I've I this is I, if we ever do theater stories again, I don't know if I ever told the story, but I've had a manager that was like that. And I and I did. I refused to be talked to the way that J.K. Simmons uh, talks to teller in this movie and it looks like teller decided the same thing mm. like look i'm awesome at drumming you either like me or you don't and i'm gonna do this part we haven't even started yet you know that i'm better than this chode that's on the drummer <laughs> that's on the drums that dude that he takes in to like spark him or whatever is a shitty ass drummer <laughs> is that the uh, irish one yeah the oh Reddit my god dude. when he's auditioning those when it, technically auditioning those drummers mm-hmm. that's one of the greatest scenes it's it's hilarious first of all it starts off with him ending the performance and going motherfucker yeah <laughs> and he's like i apologize to the musician take an hour or whatever and he's running cycling through these drummers and everything he calls them the most awful shit man he's like i mean he's talking about uh miles teller's parents he's talking about the homosexual guy he's talking about the irish guy like it's just absolutely nasty but then like an hour into it or whatever he starts finally miles teller is getting Mm -hmm. we're saying miles teller but whatever his character's name is i forget uh he's he's, he's, that's where he's like the faster faster and it's like great like he's just right up in his face uh yeah it's it's (laughs) i I've done a lot There's of something very it. American about this, isn't there? Like, 
I played Little League. I remember coaches screaming at me. I'm 11 years old and use both hands, like screaming at me. And I'm a kid, but we accept it. And I know a lot of people who were in band in high school. And everyone has a story about a a demon band director who screamed at people. I'm sure that's the inspiration for J.K. Simmons. And some of this trickles down maybe from like drill sergeants or movies or what have you. But like football coaches are always screaming at their players, young or old. Like, why do we? Why, why are we so sure that this is a good motivating method? You know, it's weird because you just watched this recently. Uh, it's weird. I've thought about what's this guy's deal? What's Fletcher's deal? Like mm-hmm. what's J.K. Simmons' character's deal? Because he's got a history of obviously driving people to even potentially uh, harming themselves and things mm-hmm. like that. You don't see him scream at really anybody else in the movie except for the the percussion section well yeah he he uh he does um yell at the trombone guy i think it's trombone oh yeah he kicks him out of the practice well, or there's whatever a, it is. it's a fun it's actually a fun scene even though he's being an asshole but like uh he's like uh he, he gets certain sections to play their part and he's like there's somebody out of tune here mm-hmm. and uh and he gets to this one says oh it's right here it's right here and he's like he's like and he goes to the one guy and he's like, are you out of tune? Or are you not? And then the guy's like, yeah, I'm out of tune. He's like, get the fuck out of here. Then. <laughs> and then, and then he comes back to the, his, uh, uh, easel or whatever. And he, he goes, actually, it was you that was out of tune pointing to some other dude. But since he doesn't even know, it's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so my point is that like he, he's got a history of, of going f- too far. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I think this is the first time maybe. That he's gone this far, and and I think it's because he sees the talent, yeah, in in the Miles Teller character, that. and that's why he just goes absolutely ballistic. I think we're seeing him at his absolute peak of the asshole that he can be because he's singularly focused, and I think it's a very human story because I think that happens. Ultimately, he does say by the before the 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 climax of this movie, he does say that what would have happened with Charlie Parker. If he didn't get a symbol thrown at his head, mm. uh, and then he would have been like, oh, well, I guess I did play that pretty good. <laughs> and then he would have never gone back and been as awesome as he was a year later when he's playing. Uh, and he's, and that's where he gets that whole, you know, there's no two words that are worse in the English language than nice job. Um, I fucking, I love that line and it just absolutely drives me nuts. Yeah. Does he, I want to punch that guy so hard. Uh, Does the movie that? tell us much about his life? before because i i have to imagine it's one of two things either he was a very 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 extremely talented musician who missed his chance or he was never very good as a musician but his ear is perfect i don't think uh and chrissy can tell me if i'm wrong i don't think they give really any background outside of the 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 band besides that bar scene of fletcher's character right no not at all um uh yeah we're just i think we're supposed to assume that he is uh maybe possibly a failed musician yeah uh because we see him playing in that jazz band piano thing and then there's a there's a there's a sort of an interesting interplay too when teller talks about his dad talking about paul riser's character where he says he tried to be this, but now he's a teacher. And it's, and he doesn't mean that for all teachers. Mm-hmm. Right. But 
in a way, it seems like it hits J.K. Simmons in a certain way when he says that, that Paul Reiser was supposed to be this big hot shit thing. Now he's a teacher. Mm, just and it like you. feels like that's what he's saying about J.K. Simmons. So I feel like he's a failed musician of some sort. And now he's become the, you know, the dickhead dad who wants to have, uh, you know, live vicariously. Yeah, see, that's what I was feeling, too. Like the like the guy who was great in college sports but didn't make the pros so he mm-hmm. pushes his son to be even better than like, he was like the dad in varsity blues yeah yeah like the dad in varsity blues and you know what miles teller should have told him i don't want y'all <laughs> or or the dad in friday night lights tim mcgraw <laughs> he's the same way he was the same way he, tape, he tapes the ball to his hands only he was drunk oh yeah that's right he's drunk uh it goes up against the town ben affleck's the town the town ben it's... affleck's second movie that he made he made gone baby gone and then he did this and... I, arguably even though he's only directed four movies he's got obviously a variety of tastes um mm-hmm. because you know, gone baby gone is this like depressing character study drama and then the town is this basically a modern day heat like you know guns firing bank robbing crime thriller and then he does argo which is almost like a little indie piece and then he does that booze running gangster he's got different tastes is all i'm saying and he's so geographically diverse too yes boston boston iran iran and boston (laughs) well they go to tampa for most of that last movie um i think especially with the town but even gone baby gone the fact that he sets it in boston uh, is is a great thing for the movie sure. because Affleck knows Boston. He's from Boston. Tim LaHaye, who wrote the book, is right. Most of his books in Boston, right? Like the Sean Penn one with Dennis the, LaHaye. Dennis LaHaye. What did I say? Tim, Tim LaHaye. Yeah. Oh, he's it's the wrote, Dennis LaHaye. Dennis LaHaye. LaHaye. Tim LaHaye is the guy that wrote all those uh, uh, Left Behind books. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Uh, I'm pretty sure that guy sets his books in Boston almost always, yeah, like Stephen so. King yeah. sets his shit in Maine. But that pays off both uh, because of the, how he shoots the locations, but just knowing like the neighborhood, even Gone Baby Gone, feels like you're, you're fucking part of that neighborhood, like mm-hmm. you get seeped in it. Um, Is so it Charlestown? Yeah. Is that the Charles, town? Charlestown, yeah. Charlestown, the town. Apparently, it's like this little... One and, section, and the movie even says like some huge percentage of bank robbers come from this one little town area. Yeah, it's um, uh, yeah, it's the uh, number one in creating these uh, uh, armed robbery and <laughs> everything. And uh, there's even a point uh, where uh, I think it's after that first the first the the beginning robbery where John Hamm uh, they they say they cut they close the bridge down uh, between main boston and charlestown because it's probably somebody from charlestown whenever a bank gets robbed oh wow so they <laughs> so they they automatically shut that bridge down whenever <laughs> something like that happens yeah. um yeah now that's probably some bullshit they threw in for the movie but that's what they do in the movie. i think at least the idea that a high percentage of bank robbers come from this neighborhood is probably real um but uh well even affleck's character's dad was you know sticking up um money trucks mm. he ended up shooting one of them which is why they made the rule that one guy always has to stay in the car like oh, they, yeah, they yeah. wrote in the whole rule of armored cars based in, based on this guy uh, i fucking love this movie there's not a section of it that drags um everyone is cast perfect i'm not sure jeremy renner has ever been better oh i don't um, think he has 
And uh, even the two sidekicks that don't get much time, like the fat guy that drives and the skinny little kid that works for the electric company, um, have have just the right amount of moments. Rebecca Hall, not Ferguson, um, <laughs> is great in this movie. Um, you know, you can really feel Affleck wanting to get out of this life, not just because it's dangerous or there's heat on him, but now he has something hopeful to look forward to in this relationship. Um and just, just, oh, I just fucking love it. What is her deal in this movie? Like, what does she do? She's like a professional that does. She's, she's, the, she's bank, the banker. She's, she's the bank manager. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they kidnap her and uh, uh, take her hostage and put her out on a beach or something. And <laughs> they get to the meet after before Renner's character shows up and one goes, "We're taking hostages now." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "No, we're not," because yeah. Renner's the hothead who yeah. takes the hostage and then later shoots the armored car guard. And um, yeah, he's the one who like. Uh, pounds his rifle into dude's skull and like nearly beats him to death before mm. Affleck comes over. Oh, it's a uh, dude from Alias, Victor Garber. Yeah, it's Victor Garber. Um, um, I just love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. If I am flipping, I always stop if I know it's in the middle, a.k.a. the armored car heist, where they do the minivan chase through the tiny Boston streets mm-hmm. and that chase is exhilarating. That's how you drive a fucking car. <laughs> uh, and then the, the, you know, the Fenway heist from beginning to end. For, starting from the moment there getting the breakdown from Pete Postle to wait, to wait, to wait. Um, and he says, uh, rip it off the Cathedral of Boston, priceless. Yeah. And then it cuts to <laughs> Affleck and Renner at uh, Fenway watching a game. And, and Affleck's like, you know, this is going to be a motherfucker. Yeah. And Renner's like, hey, if it were easy, everybody would do it. From there all the way to the end of the movie is I, just a rock. I get the sense, and then maybe this was on purpose, but uh, whenever he and Renner are talking privately in this movie they really throw out that boston accent more than they (laughs) ever do in any other part of the movie come down and visit me in florida yeah they're both like they're both like they're both like really trying to get out boston each other and everything (laughs) in this scene um you were talking about renner Uh, i think i think uh maybe the only performance you could put up against it is hurt locker which came out the previous year i would agree uh and he's this is i guess he's in the middle of his like super intense uh period mm-hmm. here before he's in the avengers uh but um do you know whether a dollar bill is over or under six inches yeah i'm glad that you brought this up because uh i know it's over because of what john ham said yes. but i wanted to bring up john ham in this movie john ham is great in this movie yep uh but i feel like he has almost maybe been typecast since this movie mm. he is an fbi agent he is an fbi <laughs> agent in almost everything now uh richard jewel uh, richard jewel bad times at el royale oh yeah um oh, probably yeah. some more uh but that's so it's funny that you say that about it bad times at el royale because he's playing that character so well in the movie mm-hmm. that i kind of forget that he's an fbi agent he's more of like the vacuum salesman right? yeah 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 <laughs> um yeah, I love that moment at the end when Affleck does not show up at his girlfriend's house yeah. and they've been waiting all day and John Hamm comes out to his car and there's a note on the windshield and he opens it up and it reads, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and there's just some rando FBI guy walking by and John Hamm goes, here, it's for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you're right. The cast is top to bottom fantastic. Blake Lively is, is amazing. Blake too. Lively is terrific in this. Like, and she now it's weird. Like it's it's. I don't feel like Lively has really shown much to me in the past in a lot of movies. Sure. 
but she's terrific in that and then also that uh anna kendrick movie simple favor simple, simple favor, favor. Mm-hmm. she's terrific in that as yeah. well she has the capability of being that actress mm-hmm. i mean she really besides uh gossip girl uh, she hasn't done a whole lot up until 2010. Right? Well, I mean, she was in that Oliver Stone movie, um, Savages. Savages, where she's having oh, a right. three-way relationship with Evan Evan Peters. I think it's Taylor Kitsch, and it's uh, not Evan Peters. It's it's uh, Aaron Johnson Taylor Johnson. Oh, a- yeah, Aaron yeah. Taylor Johnson. <laughs> I just watched this like a week ago. It's terrible. Yeah, it's not a good I movie at all. Uh, but but it looked like she was kind of given uh, given it the old college try in that. But I didn't think she was really. She good was in that. Green Lantern. Yeah, she's in Green Lantern, and and obviously she's in this movie. This is a rhythm section, which I think is getting all the headlines for the wrong reasons. Yes, like, mm. like one of the biggest opening movies and least amount of money made by this amount of theaters screens. Oh yeah, Something, yeah, no one, one those, went to see it. Yeah, nobody saw it, but um, but yeah, she's awesome in this. Yeah, she's great in this. She even when she's in the hospital, she's basically bo- boozed up every time she's on screen. Um, but he comes, John Hamm comes to the hospitals because he knows he's got her now. She's going to have to give him something. And she's like, uh, you're the crime stopper. Figure it the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God damn. This is a tough match. And then he go and he tells that I love this too, where he's like, uh, how long did you go out with him? Did he give you a diamond necklace? Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> he totally plays her. Yeah, oh, totally. Totally plays her, and it works perfectly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a tough matchup. Um, I, I, The reason why it is such a tough matchup is because I feel like the town has like more going on in it. Like it's, uh, Oh, sure. It's It's got more plot-wise. It's got... Uh, um it's got a lot of action to it whiplash has some action but it's 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 mainly that last 10 minutes of the movie um where teller's going on that huge like solo and everything i know i know but that also has one of the best driver coming in to t-bone the other driver uh shots i've ever seen because it's the least expected that I think I've ever seen mm-hmm. because you're focused on him getting there. He's calling the guy a motherfucker on the way back yeah. to the performance. And then all of a sudden, it's not only a car, it's a goddamn Mack truck yeah. <laughs> that runs. And it's not even like full on. You just see like through the top of the window from on top of his head. And uh, yeah, he I definitely just... shouldn't have survived that. Yeah, I would agree with that. He definitely shouldn't be able to drum. After and then he, he shouldn't. Well, he he technically doesn't. That's true. Uh, He's like passing out. He everything. shouldn't be able to run to the thing, and then he shouldn't. But the reason why he can't drum is because he's got blood all over him. Um, but um, but there's the the intensity of Whiplash is insane, and the just the overall goodness of the town is insane. Yeah, I need like, your help. We're going to hurt some people and you can never tell anybody about it. <laughs> Whose car we take? Whose car we take? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I I will go ahead and pull off this Band-Aid. I like Whiplash better. Uh, fuck. I'm voting the town, but I know where it's going. <clears throat> you know, it's a, this matchup in particular is harder than I thought. Because Whiplash has grown to be one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, I know. That's why uh, I know the town is dead. But the town, the town is up there... In the top 50 or so. Deserve to be in the bracket. Uh, I also have a weird thing with the town because I had dinner in the Green Monster uh, the night that he was uh, that Affleck was premiering the town in Fenway. Oh, shit. So I wasn't there for the premiere, but we were eating there as they were setting up the lights. You were breathing the, the same air as Affleck. That's right. 
<laughs> just like me and Kevin in, Smith. In the cathedral of uh, Boston. <laughs> in the cathedral of Boston. Uh, whiplash, for sure. Whiplash. Yeah. Whiplash all day. Yeah. Whiplash. Yeah. With this whippy tail. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a... Yeah. That was the reason why I watched both of these again was just because I, I looked at that matchup just going, I have no idea where to go with that. If you um, hadn't, do you do you think you would have leaned towards the town? No, I would have gone whiplash really? probably. Um, watching the town again was was instructive to the decision. But um, but I, I, I think that, you know, uh, I think just whiplash that 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 last nine, eight, nine, ten minutes of him doing that uh solo is is insane mm-hmm. and it and what i love about it and it's giving me chills thinking about it right now uh is that he does the first off he goes does that wind down thing that <laughs> and then simmons is like all right move it up and it's like and he goes through that whole thing again and then like and then it's like both of them like you know yeah that was the fucking it right there baby no applause straight to credits yeah yeah and it gives me chills thinking about it it's just that that in the if this were let, let's say this were movie where it was done in the 80s uh-huh. uh and uh and you know john avildsen who did karate kid and rocky did this movie uh it would be like everybody's cheering yeah. and there's like there's like these knowing looks across everything <laughs> shot of his dad yeah shot of his dad they totally <laughs> said fuck paul riser at the end of this he, he's kind of looking in and like oh my god my son's doing it but we don't even know what he feels about this yeah. it could be he could be conflicted about this like sure. yeah he's doing awesome but at what expense yeah and uh and but yeah it's like that it it just he gets done with it and he's like and they're like and that's it it's yep. to go straight to the credits yep. fucking love it um whiplash will be going up against spotlight Woo! that'll be another big hard, i may have to watch these again <laughs> be another hard one another hard one all right so we are done with the east region we're done with the left side of the bracket uh we'll be going probably to the south region on the next one so Ooh, uh, that's gonna be a south region's one. got a bunch of like it's 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 funny we we do this intense shit where we're doing all these movies and then you go over and you're like oh there's a whole bunch more <laughs> <laughs> all right uh what did you th- what did you guys think uh what do you what do you, you think the brackets uh going the way you think it uh, should be going right now uh go to sincast presented by cinema sins on facebook uh we also have cinema sins twitter uh music video since twitter we're also on soundcloud we have a discord if you want to get on discord you can go to the reddit page and find a link on the right side or you can go to the private messages and i will give you a link there uh but that'll do it for this week it's chris agnes and jeremy scott and barrett share we'll see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and Reddit, and be sure to visit cinemasins.com. There is nothing I like better than having things come down to my loins. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> oh, uh, shit. I swear to God, I said that name. A hundred times this morning. Oh, really? Guadagnino. Gua, guada, guadagnino. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't seem want, to have yeah. helped. You, it's, <laughs> it's like Chloe Sevigny. <laughs> <laughs> Sevigny. <laughs> Sevigny. Chloe Sevigny. Sevigny.
I, I, it took until the she got nominated for an Oscar for me to actually hear that name pronounced. I thought it was Savini. I did too. That's what I said. That's what I would say. You said seven ye seven. Is it seven ye? It's I. I, <laughs> I it, I don't re- actually now that now now that you've said this I don't even know if I heard it on the Oscars the correct way like I don't even know if I remember the Oscars how they said it I always thought it was seventy 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 with no ng- with no nye in it I got you uh, uh, but it could be that they said seven ye and hmm. I just didn't hear it hmm. whatever hmm. but I had always heard yes. I'd heard Savini, 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 and then and then Seventy was what I heard when he she got nominated for Boys Don't Cry. That's I was going to ask what she got nominated for. That's uh, her only nomination, probably right. That and Brown Bunny. Yeah, <laughs> and it, was, it was her boyfriend. It was. You remember that whole uh, arc on Entourage where Billy wanted uh, Vince to give him a blowjob on uh, on his movie, his art movie. Uh, and, like, I think Vin- so. Yeah, and, Vin- and he was like, "No, man, you can't do that. You can't be blowing a man." on uh on 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 the screen and he's like man i'm gonna do whatever billy tells me to do and so at the end of the episode he goes to billy he's like billy i'll do it and uh billy's like i just wanted to make sure that you would do it i'm not gonna make you do it <laughs> it's like when god asked abraham to sacrifice his son exactly like that <laughs> and then when he was about to god was like ah, i'm just kidding don't actually kill him just give me a blowjob <laughs> <laughs> I hope my dad never listens to this. <laughs> oh, <Jesus Christ>. <laughs> <laughs> or I hope he also never watches Brown Bunny to yeah. even get the context. Yeah. Uh, have you ever watched the Brown Bunny? I saw it yes. in L.A. He saw the theater. <clears throat> really? That movie is fucking terrible. Yes, it, it is. is. <laughs> but watch me pump gas for ten minutes. What, what kills me is that I th- <laughs> I think he he came out with a version. Uh, it festivals that was longer and ebert famously came out and said that this movie's terrible and then gallo came out and called ebert fat and all this other shit uh-huh. and then ebert says while i oh while i have the chance to not be fat you'll always be the director of the brown bunny nice. and then and then <laughs> classic but then i think he made edits to it and the one that i saw was the edited one and then ebert was like now this movie's good oh no and i was like what you you, you still see him wash his car in real time <laughs> There's a point in there where he's like he's like begging this girl to like come go out with him and he's like please please for like yeah. it feels like 10 minutes oh my god and then yeah and then yeah he finally runs into Chloe Chloe 70 and it's uh, it's, it's blowjob time I don't even know uh Buffalo 66 I thought I haven't seen since I saw it in the theater probably saw it at the the Bell Court or uh nipper's corner or something like that at least it had plot it did and i i enjoyed it because it was unusual but i probably if i go back and watch it now i bet it's like too indulgent and really annoying yeah i haven't yeah, seen it could since be the one time. i don't know i think that movie's actually good and just, i thought it was good and at then the brown time. bunny is his is like well i'm gonna be an artist now i remember him uh like being pissed off well not pissed off but like uh criticizing wes anderson because wes anderson goes around and and basically writes the script and shows the movie to his friends and then they make sort of like edits and edits and trims based on what the friends say or whatever and he's like well that's not how you make movies and all that and it's like who gives a fuck how people make movies man yeah i wonder if he's mellowed out in old age he seemed like a salty asshole yeah a salty asshole who had made like a movie 
and a half. Well, I'm trying to think. What was his follow-up to Buffalo 66? Because uh, I, I saw Bunny. it. I thought it was Brown Bunny. I thought he made two movies. My is that all is, he's made? My point is, he hasn't made enough to be the guy telling you how movies are made. Especially not fucking Wes Anderson. I'm not telling anybody how to make movies. I mean, I am <laughs> in you character, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. not in real life. Uh, it looks like he's got a couple of uh, maybe like music video things. Oh, of course. All right. So then, basically, he's, and then and then it's Brown Bunny. He's Spielberg. See, he's a, he can, she, he can tell us. He's made vi- music videos, so he knows. Is John Frusciante, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Guy? Yeah, he's the guitarist. Yeah, he uh, was the guitarist. He's been fired like four times he's done a bunch of stuff with him apparently i guess it was his uh solo stuff anyway they look alike he washed his car in real time once he probably did and filmed <laughs> it and filmed ass. it he's probably got like a bunch of movies at the museum of modern art where he's just washing his car 